0: Welcome to the Clutch Burners Podcast. This is your home for stick shift drag racing, stick shift tech. And tonight we have a host of awesome guests. I mean, just, just look at these faces. It's like models. <laughs> we got we got one with hair and makeup that was going on earlier. Um, so over there, Rich Guido, the 2017 Drag Week stick shift shootout winner. There's two W's for win. That's right.
1: right. Woo! And then that uh, there is Bill Armstrong. He has uh, twisted another input shaft, Bill Armstrong. I was trying to think of a nickname for you or something, but wow, uh, yeah, I can't, we don't have any, I don't see anything about drag week in you here. So you, you, you read the next one. All right. So we've got,
0: and I'm really, I'm really excited about these guests tonight. We have the 2021 drag week stick shift shootout winter, winner winner. <laughs> And holder holder of the best trophy, John Puckett.
1: Hey, that's me. And then uh, then we got this other handsome fella there, fresh fresh from makeup and uh, vocals. Um, <laughs> and now Frank, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure you were the 2016 and the 2018.
2: There's two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 2016. <laughs> For sure,
1: yeah. Because yeah, you gave me the trophy, and then I think I gave it back to you. <laughs> uh, Quite um, possible.
2: Who? Had, John yeah. has the trophy. It's, you could just look at it. It's on.
1: there. Yeah, I was going to say we should get John to like show it to us on the screen. Yeah. But, uh, I wish I had that. I wish I had the trophy
3: with me, but it's not with me right now.
0: Well, it's oh. it's in the Puckett Museum in a glass case. I'm it, sure.
3: Yeah, exactly. We'll call it a <laughs> museum.
2: It's in the museum with that giant check that he received for for winning a national competition. That's that's on his wrist. All right.
0: So yeah, again, this is going to be freaking awesome. So let's start with, uh, let's start with John since I introduced him first. So John, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your business. And uh, you know, there's so much that I'm super jacked about to talk about you that we'll get into it, but go.
3: Okay. Uh, John Bucket. Uh, I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, spent a lot of time in that area and ended up moving to Des Moines, Iowa with my mom years and years ago. Uh, I'm a professional auto mechanic. I've worked for my old job for 27 and a half years. I was a heavy line diesel mechanic on medium duty and light duty trucks. Probably just recently changed a different position at a CarMax where I work on used cars all day long now. So a little bit different pace, but uh, I'd have to say one of the things when I started getting into cars, it was something my dad had done for me we, my first books or my first vehicle was a Volkswagen Bug 1972 Super Beetle painted by Earl Stive. Ooh. Some may know what that is, some may not, but uh, home of the 300 big, paint job. Oh, I don't even think it was that, I think it was $179. Oh, that was a black, <laughs> and, that was like a Friday deal, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, my, my dad has grown up around Mustangs and his actual family owns an eighth mile drag strip here in Iowa in Humboldt, Iowa. So he's been drag racing probably for a better portion of his early life. And, uh, it was just something that he used to talk about and it was something I got interested into doing. And, uh, did, I mean, I had the Capri, I had a Mustang when I graduated from high school and it was six months after that, I purchased a Capri and i drove i was going to tech school for two years i drove my i had a 1979 mustang that had 87 to 93 ground effects all the way around it so it looked like a newer mustang but it wasn't a newer mustang it was a giant pile of crap actually but i had a 400 inch windsor in that car with a c4 and I bought that black car. And when I graduated from school, I actually took the motor out of that white car and I put it in the black car. And that's basically where that car had started. Um, The Capri, I, like I said, I purchased it six months after I had graduated from school and I've owned it ever since. There's been people who have tried to buy it. I've never been able to sell or I've never wanted to sell it. I mean, that car is it's known as Puckett's car. So, I mean, really it would have to be painted and go somewhere else across the world before they figured out whose it was, <laughs> or if it was any, or if it was actually my car. But I probably drag raced at uh, the local eighth mile drag strip in Iowa. It was close to me, it was Eddieville Raceway. And I did a lot of small tire, 10 inch stuff with Big-inch Windsors with glides, stuff like that. And I had probably went through, I'm thinking, a good six or seven sets of pistons. I have a lot of ashtrays sitting at home, to be precise. (laughs) And uh, uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I mean, it was – I had – People, I had Steve Johnson backing me and helping me on it, but I didn't have the the money to spend on a ignition system like everybody else was with like digital set or like all the high dollar MSD. I've always been a budget racer. You know, I've always wanted to go fast, but it always ended up costing me more money because I didn't spend that extra money in those extra areas. So I finally aced that motor and I'm like, okay. I took it and I tore it into pieces so the cylinder heads went one place the camshaft went one place hell the crankshaft made it to australia uh the block made it somewhere in pennsylvania i sold everything the glide all of it there was nothing left except for a rolling chassis and there was all this talk about coyote swapping cars and it was very very early on that the 11 mustang had just came out with the new five liter in it and I decided to put a coyote swap or put a coyote motor in that car and put a stick in it and drive it on the street again. So that was like the that guy who tuned that there was only two people in the United States would even touch trying to do that. And it ended up being uh racing out of, uh, they were in Pennsylvania, but I don't think they're at, they're there anymore, but uh, it was the tenth car he had done. So it was really early on in that coyote swap deal where that stuff was getting put together. And uh I mean, I've always wanted to do drag week and I had never done it before because I sure in the hell a solid roller camshaft. I didn't have the knowledge of that, but you stuck on a coyote motor in there, and the car got twenty six miles a gallon, and you're like, Well, let's go drive this thing around the United States and see what it'll do. So <laughs> That's basically what we did. And I've been doing it for 10 years now. And uh, I've got to know all these people on this screen, actually, which is really cool. I've got to meet people from across the country, across the world that I consider friends now. And, uh, I mean, I did a lot of local 8th Mile st- I it, Actually, we were talking earlier when I did Rocky Mountain Race Week with you for the first time, Bill. Yep. I actually I came home, and on my way home was a eighth-mile drag strip where Beterbaum was having his no-prep race. And I oh, showed cool. up with that car after doing Rocky <clears throat> Mountain Race Week. I rolled in there, and they had a stick shift class. I'm like, okay, I'm going to race this class. And that's the <laughs> first time I won that deal there. I won the stick shift class there. And me and, God, what is uh, Billy Badass Fast Corvette guy's name? Hotskins? Oh, no. Uh, No, he just, he has the fastest drag and drive, the red Corvette. He's from Omaha. Chad Figley. Yes. Me and Chad would go back and forth on who would win that race. And we were like two of the fastest state cars in the area. And that was that was now. That's not saying shit because stick cars are stupid fast. I mean, his car runs sevens, right? Yeah, sixes, yeah. whatever Worst it is. Sevens. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I left that deal with winning like four of six races, and they kinged me. They crowned me the king on that deal, and I left while I was on top. <laughs> nice.
0: So so you you forgot one thing about the coyote swap, and that is it has a really noisy power steering pump. What is that all about? Yeah. Well <laughs> it
3: is it is blown and that you know it started out at like just 10 a small pounds detail. Of boost. Just a yeah, small it detail. It started out at like uh you know 10 pounds of boost and now it's like we, we put a boost gauge on it once. And we we put a one way check we put a one way vacuum check valve on this on the on the boost gauge and we set it under the hood and we went out and drove it and we came back and it was pegged over thirty psi so <laughs> that's all I is someone asked how much how much <clears throat> boost I dumped down and I say all of it I think thirty something is what goes down it and wow and, yeah
0: pump gas e eighty five what do you run for fuel well
3: I run uh, a lot of that for the well before covid i was buying fused 116 octane unleaded mm-hmm. fuel so yeah. but covid hit and then i had to put the truck i had to put the car on c16 so that's the fuel i ran and the car was tuned on and then i put the c16 in it and we haven't retuned the car on that and there could be something there there could not be something there i'm not quite for sure but the engine's been in the, you know, me and Frank been going we're going back and forth on this on drag week last year or no this year about why this car, that car has slowed down. Well, I haven't touched the engine in that car for god, eight years. It's, it's, never, been remo- it's yes, never been removed. It's never been removed from touched much it yet. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean that, that that goes along with the the whole that transmission is still stock. I mean, it still has the same main shaft and it has ninety-nine percent of the same gears in it that it did from day one. I've replaced first gear in it once because that's I awesome. Yeah. So that's just the whole budget thing with me. It's if it if it blew up, I couldn't be pissed at it because it's done its job. It's done more of it. It's yeah. done everything is expected of it and then some over the years. Tell everyone more to- clutcher. What clutch are you running? Yeah. So I'm a, I've, I, I, I messed with a couple different ones and then I was pushed onto a McLeod RXT. And that's probably one of the main reasons I don't change the power level of that car because that clutch works really, really good for what it does. Yeah, I mean, it's it dipped, it it's dipped into the eights a couple times. And I, it's, it's even what's another talking about being budget however you want to put it, being cheap. The clutch that's in the Capri right now is six years old. <laughs> wow. So it's had six drag and drive events put on it. And I i mean, I used to drive it a lot more, but now it's, lately it's been taking care of myself and then two weeks before drag week, preparing <laughs> a car, sticking it in a trailer and hoping everything works for a week and then taking it home and letting it sit for another three hundred and forty days before we touch it again
0: (laughs) nice well one thing that certainly helped it is you dropped some weight on your whole race program so what what did
3: you change because this is in my mind this is one of the most impressive things about John Puckett and you're right I mean I did change myself I mean at one time I weighed 350 pounds uh I took it upon myself to go and walk five miles every night for three months. And I lost 50 pounds. I'm like, well, you know, this is pretty cool. I was getting ready to go on a vacation and I didn't want to be stuck in an airplane at 350 pounds for God knows however long it was, it was to Ireland. So it was like an 18 hour trip. And, uh, so Kept with it, and then I started doing Farrell's Extreme Body Shaping. I started that program at 313 pounds, and in 62 weeks, I cut myself all the way down to 190 pounds. So Dude. for that, it I won $10,000, yes, and now it's my addiction. Now it's something I do every day. I mean, at one time, drag racing was my addiction, and it still is, but it takes – second fiddle. It takes the back seat. Now, fitness is my life. I live it. I breathe it. I help people with it daily. I help whoever wants it, whoever will listen to me. It's not that people don't want it. It's the people that listen to me. And once they listen to me and they figure out that, God, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about and I can help them succeed in those areas, it's super gratifying. I mean, it, it humbles me when I get to help someone do what can be extremely hard for themselves. And figuring out a nutrition can take me personally, it took God, three months before we knew what was work would work for me. And I still follow that today. And this is four and a half years
1: later after figuring it out. I still remember the first race week. Uh that I saw you and I'm like, I parked my car and there's this guy standing in front of my car. And I'm like, why is that guy like so angry? And (laughs) And then, and then I get out of the car and you start talking and I'm like, John Puckett, you know, and I had followed, I had followed it, but the transformation was amazing. And you uh, you know where that was? uh, That was in, it was
3: in Georgia. Oh, is that where it was? It was because I brought the gold car because I had built that gold card during that transformation. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to take the Capri because I had spent so much time and effort on the, the, the Fairmont that I'm like, well, let's just take this car. We can have fun in it and it will be a good time.
1: Yeah, no, that was awesome. It was, yeah, uh, yeah truly inspirational for sure. Like amazing. And And there's one thing losing all that weight and then there's another thing of maintaining it because your body wants yes. to reset. I don't have to tell you this stuff, but, yeah, um, that's, that's the, that's the part that's most impressive because lots of people have lost significant amount of weight and, you know, unfortunately they end up gaining it back. So kudos yeah. to you and all you're doing, my friend, Thank 535 you. pound deadlift yesterday. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Damn, that's impressive. Whew
3: everybody around me is like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, you lose a bunch of weight and you're like, well, at one time when I was 235, 240 pounds, I could pick up all this weight. Well, let's go see if you can do it being 20 pounds lighter. And that helped it. It's all it is, is a goddamn Eagle lift. That's all that is. It's right. just this tell all your buddies, Hey, see that I can pick three, 535 <laughs> pounds up. And then Being able to walk out of the gym after doing it is even more rewarding. So
0: (laughs) yeah, again, like Rich said, man, it's super impressive. Like, thank you. Like you're an inspiration to more people than, you know, including myself. So
3: awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You got the belt on. Oh, come on. You don't want to talk about that. (laughs) belt? Yes. Yeah. You know, you know what happened? Broke it broke and you know where it broke at sick week really, really? I, I lost that fucking belt oh you know, about, picture in, case you.
0: Don't, in case people don't know talk about the belt
3: because i know what so, you're talking about so i used to have a 52 inch waist and i had a belt that i wore to hold my fucking pants up so <laughs> i continued wearing I continued wearing that belt throughout my transformation and I would drill holes in it every time it needed to be smaller. Well, it came down to once I was finished and it, it really, it it sucks that we're talking about this because it hurts that I don't have that belt because it was my every day I would get up and put that belt on. And it reminded me where I was at. I mean, sure. I was wearing smaller pants, but you put that belt on and you have to, loop it around your body and then loop it halfway around your body again it was just a realization of what you had accomplished in the amount of time i accomplished so there is a tribute belt being made as we speak but (laughs) i it, it it still was it was a trophy is what that was but i it was just an an item it can be replaced and it was broken i mean it was done for there was no fixing it so but yeah i know in the parking lot at in in, at uh atco wherever the start finish track was it's sitting in the parking lot there somewhere but oh bradenton (laughs) yeah bradenton there we go
4: yeah
3: yeah
1: well before we before we leave because travis gave me some instructions this time that we should follow we better get some more information of uh off the bucket on the details. So um, we we talked, uh, is the shifter, a stock shifter in your transmission or is it an aftermarket chart?
3: It it actually is just the stock Tremec shifter that came with that transmission. So the base is stock and it has an old school, oh God, what was it? That Hearst Chrome shifter that you could get for an 86 to 93 Mustang. So, you know, what the, the saying that was always told to me was, to me was is, the older you get the longer the shaft gets <laughs> frank probably told you that
4: <laughs>
2: so i'm the oldest so
3: <laughs> it, it it's just an old chrome chrome purse handle on top of the stock base from Tremec. Nice. and what
1: gear ratio is in that in the rear end uh, the 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 rear end
3: in both uh in the capri has a i actually changed it for the first time this year i usually ran a 373 in it because it cruised really well on the interstate i mean you pop it in sixth gear and you could run 1900 rpm and it would pick up you know 26 miles a gallon but i decided to put a 390 in it to try to get some more of the top end out of the car and uh i don't know if it much helped much or not but I can tell you right now, it lasted one drag week because it is garbage now. I actually went out and drove that car after I got home from drag week, and the gear is freaking killed in it.
0: It's an 8.8 <laughs> rear end in that?
3: It is an 8.8. Eight. And yeah. I mean, for the, the longest time, you ran that Ford Motorsport gear that was $139, and I could never break one. I tried multiple times. I used to change them every, every three or four years. I'd put a new one in it, and then... You'd go out and drop the clutch of seven grand on slicks, and then it sounded like shit the rest of its life. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. and and uh, rear suspension is it? Factory it's style?
3: Uh, it is still considered f- it, it's the modified four link. So whatever was factory from Ford back then, but it it does have coil over, so it doesn't have factory location shocks. So inboard coil over. So that's what kind of sticks me in super street small block power out of class on drag week is because it's not technically a stock suspension car well
0: gotcha. I, yeah and i will say that fox Body is such an ideal platform for what we do i mean it's it it's is right it works I, I, yeah it's but awesome
3: it, I, I, these three guys on this this video right here have cars that weigh four thousand fucking pounds <laughs> <laughs> i mean not, come on
0: not, not this guy not this guy.
3: oh yours doesn't <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> what's, what's your car weigh, Bill? It's 37 with me in it. 3680, 37 oh, wow, right in there. Jesus. I mean, Frank is, Frank's over what? 4,000? Not anymore, but 39. Um, he's got some... We got we to gotta pull some I, I secrets
3: guess out of this guy. Yeah.
1: And then we know Guido's over 4,000 pounds. Yeah, it it's was... A a t- in Oklahoma, it was 4,065. But when I went wow. 870, 877 at sick week, I had to weigh... And it was four thousand and twenty-five at that point. After I drained some water out of it.
3: Yeah, I I I think the Capri is thirty-two forty with me in it. So,
4: (laughs) I dream of that baby.
1: Jeez.
3: (laughs) Okay, and that car is still all steel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about tell us about your burnout strategy.
3: Uh. It's really not much of a strategy. It's put it in second gear, turn the line lock on, and wait till they start smoking enough, and you think it's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds like my strategy. Yeah, I mean, seriously, yeah. And your launch strategy is what uh, my launch. That.
3: Well, and that's another thing. Is is you really? you'll see me or you'll hear me is what people that, say yes, it's hear You <laughs> they hear the, they'll, they'll hear the car. And so it's, you'll see it's, I don't have a two step. I don't have, I don't, I I don't have anything. I just, I watch the tack until about 6,000 RPM. And then I look up at the tree and then I give it a little bit more gas. So <laughs> it's somewhere in between, It's usually somewhere in between six and seven thousand RPM is where I launch the car.
1: So it's funny because I show that video of you and I racing at uh, like the finals in 2017, and just about every Mm -hmm. time I'm like, just do nothing but listen to John's car. It's like it's going up. up It was great. It was awesome.
3: It was it was loans this year on Drag Week, and he's telling Freiberger, he's like, "Hey, why don't you stop and listen for one minute?" And you, <laughs> it was that video you sent me, Guido. That it's yeah. like all you hear is it go higher and higher and higher, and then I mean, it's the car works like that, so I don't screw with it. And even though it it sounds, I mean, it works really well, so that's why I've never changed it.
0: I think it's the starting line. Spintron is what's
3: going on. I think that's what it is. (laughs) is. Where was
2: that? What track was that? That was at, uh, which one this year? No, with the final, with none of the the final, Uh, we were at the track last year. Cordova.
1: Cordova.
2: Yeah. Cordova. Illinois. Yeah.
1: It was awesome. I was so lucky you, you, uh, we hot loved you. Hey, that's how it
3: fucking goes. (laughs) Yeah exactly i mean that's just how it goes i'm i had i was butt hurt don't get me wrong i was mad about that
1: <laughs> oh oh I, I i could tell i was no, trying to I avoid you. I,
3: it it took my co-pilot brad to fucking calm me down and he goes you need to go talk to that guy and tell him you're fucking sorry i'm like man god damn it
2: that's <laughs> when your transmission yeah you couldn't shift it, into third or I, something
3: I couldn't pull in a second. It ended yeah. up knocking one of the brass bushings off the shift fork and it wouldn't pull in the second. It had it on one side, but it didn't have it on the other side. So then it was trying to pull it sideways and it went loud. Pull in the synchro.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. A $2 part. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's but how that's, goes. well, yeah, but that's when it comes down to you left the transmission in the car for five years. What did you think it was going to do? <laughs> it was going to keep working every day for the next five more years after that no right. that's not what happened right
1: i i think that's why we all stick race though <clears throat> you don't know what's going to happen that's that's exactly. why I, that's why i do it like you can you can always beat a faster guy stick racing it doesn't yeah. happen as much with automatics but there's a
4: lot yeah there. it's always
2: yes. a good excuse that's me giving
1: oh look at that Woo-hoo! yeah I got that same photo it's on often. my phone. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I I have pictures of John uh, before and after his transformation. But number one, I couldn't find them fast enough, and number two, I didn't want to take the liberty. I figured if you want to show that, you can.
1: Yeah, we might have to we might have to add that in. Well, why don't we move on to Mr. Frank Romano? Frank Romano. a bit about yourself. Super and-
4: fast. Super fast,
0: Frank. Okay, so tell us about yourself and your background first.
2: Uh, born in Heidelberg, Germany. Not oh boy, and he, he put the-, the
0: hat on like I was because the, the uh, yeah, I,
2: I couldn't take the uh, Bill Burr look I had going on. Had <laughs> super, super pale Irish guy, and all my okay. Italian American friends are going to be like, Hey, what happened to you? Did you have COVID
4: when you did that? <laughs> <laughs> so...
2: I, I really can't take the light in my eyes over my head. That's really, it was starting to bug me. And Got I really it. can't see the screen that great. Um, but yeah, born in Heidelberg, Germany, grew up on Long Island, and uh, idolized all the bad guys. I really did. I idolized all the bad guys in the movies, gangsters, bikers, you know, street racers. And, um, but uh, honestly, um, I got a 69 Nova when I was, I think, 20 years old. I had some other cars before that, but I got a 69 Nova with a, with a 350. And, um, might, I remember being in a bar with my friend and he started asking me questions about the engine and the transmission and the cam and this, I really didn't know, you know, I just, it, it was really for girls. Like I got the car because it was cool. It was black it sounded good. <laughs> Um, I could afford it. it was twenty eight hundred bucks. had a beautiful lacquer paint job on it. And I knew I could score chicks with it. I just figured, you know, this was the missing <laughs> piece in my life was the car, right? And uh, I got that car, and I was forever transformed because uh, I just absorbed into the culture. I learned about what twelve bolt. I remember my friend talking about you know, lift and duration and, you know, 12-bolt rear and 10-bolt rear and Muncie and 264 first and all that stuff. I didn't know what any of it meant. And by the end of that summer in 86, I knew what all of it meant. And um,
0: so, so did, uh, did, the, did you get some checks
2: because of the car? Oh, yeah. Nice. Actually, <laughs> that car, I dated um, I dated a girl. We, I, we moved from Long Island to Massachusetts in 1980. And I had like my first puppy love. And uh, I, when I moved back to Long Island in 86, I guess, uh, I started to date her again. The day I bought that car, I picked her up for a date She was a knockout. And um, <laughs> anyway, she, she helped me name the car and I got this little black plate made up. I still have it somewhere. Simply black, 61286. That's the day I bought the car. Nice. And uh, yeah, it, did, it never hurt me having that car. you know never hurt so uh,
1: yeah you miss telling us what you do
2: yep uh i'm a tattoo artist and i've been a tattoo artist since uh 83 i opened my own shop uh, actually this march would be 31 years ago wow congratulations um, thank you yeah my accountant told me a few it was quite a few years ago now he said you know you kind of broke every barrier at this point like you know, most businesses fail within the first three years. And then, you know, there's another barrier. I don't know what it is. I don't remember. It was much further. It was like eight or nine years. And he said, at this point, you're in the one percenters club now, you know, small businesses have a really hard time surviving. Mm -hmm. So, and I attribute that to, um, the people that, uh, that I surround myself with, you know, we have a killer staff and, um, and I expect a lot out of them and they deliver and it's a good relationship and I feel good about it. I've uh, I've reeled it in as far as my uh, the hours I spend at work now these days um, because I can and um, I have the staff. We have a a big staff now and uh, and I have two young children. I got married a second time and I have a 13 year old and a nine year old. So I spend a tremendous amount of time with them, Um, you know, Back and forth to school and school functions and you know extracurricular stuff and oh yeah horseback riding and drum lessons and teaching my daughter to shoot a bow and teaching my sh- son to shoot a BB gun and going for hikes you know just trying good to be a good dad That's you awesome. know, I have an older daughter she's thirty one <laughs> and uh, you know my first wife didn't work so I you know the you know, same old story you know I worked I was always at work you know. And I want to do that twice, but, um, that's where I want to spend my time, spend my time with my family.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, like you said, working for yourself gives you that opportunity and that's, that's
2: what it's about. Yeah. Listen, you, you know, it's not always great. Like, um, I think a lot of people look from the outside, right. They make judgments and they, there's, uh, maybe envy or, you know, and, you know, nobody cares. I don't talk about it. Most guys that have, you know, their own itinerary don't talk about, you know, the weight of what they carry. I don't I don't tell the people that work at the shop anything about that. You know, um, yeah, those concerns are mine and mine alone. Um, anyway, I I just spend my time where I want to spend my time now. That's, that's yes. Yeah. yeah. Really? I- comes down to that
0: i i I totally get where you're coming from um you know having your own business i I don't think i don't think people that don't have their own business know what it's like to have that payroll obligation like every week or twice a month or whatever it is um because it's a big deal you have a bunch of people relying on you on just you yep and yeah it's it's awesome so
1: well yeah
0: go ahead rich
1: as a, as a person who works, uh, who, who has golden handcuffs, you know, I really admire, I have lots of friends. I have friends like both you guys that have your own businesses that are, uh, <clears throat> that realize that we, we work to live, we don't live to work. And that, um, you know, I just complimented Bill the other day on this, that I have a ton of respect for the fact that he, you know, dropped it all, started his own business, you know, went through all the trials and tribulation, And now he's in a place in his life where he can enjoy it. And he is enjoying it because there's also other friends of mine that, that work a ton and don't do what I do um, and are pretty wrapped up in it. And, you know, I know it's a combination of, you know, you're, you have responsibilities, you have people that you, you need to take care of, but in the end, you know, like we were talking before we hit record, you only have so many summers and you only have so many years in this life. so you better get out there and enjoy them. And, uh, yeah, we, we talk a lot about that while we're on drag week and stuff like that, that we're very privileged to be able to do this kind of stuff, but it, it you know, it's a choice that we make and, uh, I sure am glad I do.
0: Yeah and, yeah. and I want, I want to add on what Rich said, cause we did talk about this kind of before we started, but r- really, I, I met you Frank at Midwest drags uh, a couple of years ago and that was awesome by the way. Um, But you said something to me that resonated to this day. And I think about it a lot. And I told you about this earlier, but literally you, you told me that, you know, you were here and your wife was upset because you didn't go to a wedding or something. And you just told her like, look, I have 20 summers left and this is what I want to do with it. And I, I think about that. I'm like, God, how many summers do I have left? And I sit down and start penciling it out based on hopefully how long I live and how long you can continue to do this because like you said, we're not mountain climbers, but there's still a huge physical component to what we do. This, These race weeks and drag weeks, it's not fucking easy. <laughs>
2: Don't get
4: me <laughs> wrong. Well, it's if you talk
2: to somebody that doesn't do it, it's not that hard. Oh, yeah. no, no, it's easy, yeah. I get, There's guys at the train station and around town that tell me, like, hey, how fast is a guy, you know, with the turbo and this and that? And I tell them, like, oh, man, I should come down there and probably win that thing. I'm like, yeah come down (laughs) could at least register you know could could at least get up before 12 o'clock and put your money where your mouth is that's right that's right do that so i wanted to back up because i think that i have something good to add uh especially for you bill there was as you know that you know owning your own business is is an up and down game it's not um not everybody's built for it. And uh, I, I went all in on myself and I, I will never regret that. Um, but there came a point when a lot of things weren't going well and things were difficult. I'm not saying I couldn't put food on the table, but the cost, emotional cost, the weight of, of having this thing was heavy. And I said, why do I do this? Why am I doing this? And at the end of the day, you know, the first thing you would think that would cross your mind is financial gain. Of course, I want to make money. I want to be paid for work, of course. But I think the ultimate thing were the two things were freedom. In other words, the freedom to take my daughter to horseback riding, right? The freedom to just not have to ask someone if it's okay if I do that. And then the opportunity to win the game. You know, like to be the pitcher, to have the ball in my hand. And if we win, I'm the one that threw that ball. And if we don't win, I'm the one that threw that ball. I'm able to handle the weight of being in charge, of, you know, being the captain and being able to make decisions, to follow my vision, win or lose. And I think I think maybe if people hear that, and I've been at it for a while, you have to realize that's, that's got to be a huge motivator, freedom and the ability to, to choose your own destiny. Yeah. So well
0: put Frank. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with everything you said. And and one of the things like, it it seems crazy. Like you get to a point, like it's not easy. I mean, starting your own business, it's, it's a risk for sure. And you've got to be all in, you know, in the beginning I had, uh, you know, family and friends, you know, I'd have to, in the, in the beginning, I'd have to borrow money for like four days to make payroll and then I could pay them back. And they're like, you know, maybe, maybe you should get another job and do this on the side. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. If you're going to do it, you got to be all in. And I've always said fear is the greatest motivator ever. Like, it's, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Like, like you want to motivate yourself, scare the shit out of yourself because that'll do it. Um, And, and, you know, now I've started another company, the bank shift Billy, you know, the clutch controller thing. And that doesn't put food on the table, but it's fun. Yeah. And, and it's, I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, It's not my main gig. I, I can't wait for it to be that because we're launching some additional products, which, you know, we'll talk about not maybe this time, but there's some other stuff coming out like prototype type stuff that I'm hopefully going to be testing this year. Uh, but, but whatever it's, it, you put it really well. So let's talk about that beautiful 55 sitting behind you there. That's so <laughs> that's it. So that's you're so. making, you're making model. Oh, god,
2: look at that! Look at that 1955 Chevy 210. So, I bought that car in 1993, right before I went hunting in Alaska with my father. Um, he took me on a hunting trip there. And I'll tell you what, if there's any place I ever wanted to live that's not here, it's Alaska. I love everything about Alaska, I really do. I just heard a statistic. Uh, no, I wasn't there during that, but I, I heard that's my. Mo- I heard that that's crazy bad. It's yeah. like driving you insane. Yeah, but I just heard it's one of the most dangerous places to live. Some guy was doing like a, a little bit on the most dangerous cities, and he he's naming Chicago and Atlanta and this that and the like. Not too far down the line was Alaska. <clears throat> I was thinking, you know. It doesn't seem that way to me, but you. there's a lot of ways to die in Alaska. I fell in, I actually was hunting and I fell in quicksand on a horse. The horse fell in quicksand wow. up to his neck.
0: Scared you made it. Did the horse me. make it? I mean, yes, clearly you made
2: it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to the guide who was, and my father were way ahead of me. I was lagging. My horse, he just was slow. And uh, all of a sudden the horse just disappeared from under me. It was like I was Yosemite Sam with my short little legs, and the horse just vanished and I looked down and then I was on top of him and I realized like I didn't know it was quicksand. It happened so fast. I just I just jumped over the handlebars. I jumped over that horse's head and the and I was yelling, and the guide said, uh, you know, pull the reins, do not let him. He's like, just keep pulling the reins. I was like lean back at an angle like this, pulling. And he told me later, he's like, if you didn't pull on that horse like that, he'll just give up. They'll just give up and sink. Wow, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. I, I don't think I enjoyed myself a lot anywhere near water after that. I was, we were walking on a riverbed, and you know it had dried up, and it was just these pockets of quicksand. <laughs> <It was> crazy, <laughs> scary.
4: <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah
0: that's, so real uh, quick, Anyway, this this yeah. go ahead. So John, the phone is better sideways. Like you, you had okay. resting on something, and it was ideal.
4: Okay. Yes, there we go.
0: Just, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Much better. Okay. So, back to horses and quicksand. Yeah,
2: we're. <laughs> I think we're over that. But that fatso. I don't know how we got to quicksand and horses. I don't know. It's all, it's all good. So, so <clears throat> to date, best ET a mile an hour. Nine thirty flat. Right after I raced Rich Guido, <laughs> C- couldn't wait one more pass. Uh, one forty six seventy something. I think it was something like that. My best best mile an hour is like one forty six and change. Best ET is nine thirty flat. That was Bradenton, Florida. Nice, and, and really, that was at thirty nine fifty. Actually, it's funny because down in Bradenton tonight, I went across the scales a few times, and it was between thirty nine twenty five and thirty nine sixty or something like that. But I forgot that we had changed the fuel tank from steel to aluminum and something else. And, and that's the lightest it's ever been. Right now, I took the heater out of it. Uh, what? Yeah, I took the heater out of it. Oh, man. Um, I bought I a, a, small, a smaller heater, so I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> but I took the big box out of there. Okay. Um, right now, today, it doesn't have much fuel in it, so it'll be heavier than this. But it's 3902. I weighed it a few weeks ago.
1: Oof, I thought you were going to say like thirty six or something. I was, no, yeah. well tonight it's the lightest it's ever
2: been because it has no <laughs> transmission in it, no gear vendor, <laughs> all that stuff's out for service.
0: Okay, and what's the uh, so engine, drivetrain? Yeah, five eighty two
2: uh, aluminum Brodix block, Brodix uh, Brodix Dragon Slayer heads, uh, tunnel ram. G-force, uh GF5R, RAM single counterweight style sintered iron clutch. A gear vendor behind that, which is probably the most important piece of the puzzle for drag and drive. Yep. You yep. guys are all T56. I'm, you know, I just different different route. Yep. I, I admire that transmission. I cannot believe it holds up, but it does hold up. Um, uh, and a Ford 9 inch 40 spline gun drilled super light Mark Williams stuff back there. Aerospra- uh, aerospace brakes all the way around. All steel, not one piece of light anything on it. Um, all regular glass. Chrome bumpers, steel brackets. This, you know, obviously nothing. And it's uh, the cage is DOM, drawn over mandrel steel. It's not chromoly. I wish it was. I'd probably save a bunch of weight right there. Um, but I'm just not willing to. Sacrifice the appearance of the car. It's a real, real street car. Um, people question that, right? So I don't know if you guys get this, but when people, oh yeah, on the periphery, start asking you questions like that's not a real street car, I say, well, I've gone as much as fourteen hundred and forty-five miles in five mm-hmm. days and raced at five different tracks. Would you consider that a street car? You know, because Owasso, <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, what is that? Uh, Al-, Al, what was that place in Texas in two thousand Albuquerque, Ennis? No. Ennis, Ennis, Texas. No, nope. in the Panhandle, oh. something with an A. Anyway, the most, the worst track I've ever raced on in my entire life. Um, real bad. Not Alamo, Texas. I don't know. Well, maybe it'll pop up. I'm getting. I have seen your moments quite often now, but, um, you know, that was a long stretch for we had a 440 mile drive one day. And so, I think there's a
1: kind of a famous picture of you driving somewhere with someone Amarillo. on the cover of
2: hot rod magazine. Amarillo, Amarillo. Yep. Oh, shithole track. <laughs> Funny story, Joe and I, my co-pilot, I've had the same co-pilot for, uh, Okay, so 2010, my friend Ian came with, with me. And then after that, it's been my friend Joe that you guys all know. He's yeah. always with me. He's the best guy. Um, we were at that track, and we lost the lifter. And everybody left. You know, we were the last guys there at that track. And this guy pulls up, this little guy pulls up in, like, an S10 or something. And he goes, hey, where's the drag race? And I said, uh, it's gone. It's over And uh, he gets out of the car and he goes, my name's Virgil Macbeth," (laughs) And he starts telling these crazy stories about his son who's locked up in prison. And uh, (laughs) it was really, it was entertaining. Nice guy. He he actually gave me his phone number and he said, ah, you'll never call. So far, he's been right. I haven't called him. (laughs) But uh, so Joe and I, you know, we have the top of the engine in the trunk. And, you know, we're pulling lifters out, lifters in. And this guy yelled, dirt devil. And we're like, is this guy losing his fucking marbles? What's happening to this man? <laughs> you know, he's getting heat stroke? And I turn around and there's this wall of dirt about 150 feet high and about 50 or 80 feet wide coming straight at us. And in this wall, it looked like a tornado was just garbage and, and yeah. bushes. And, and your engine's wide
1: open. <laughs> my engine
2: is completely off, valve covers off. Intake manifold off, distributor out. Yep. Okay. And, and here comes this thing. It's you know, it's a few hundred feet away. And in a matter of seconds, this thing is on top of us. So we managed to throw the uh fender skirts over the engine. And Joe and I just both jumped in and held <laughs> that stuff down and pulled the hood down over us and it passed us. You know, it took about like 30 seconds or 40 seconds to get past us. When that thing finally was far enough away we felt comfortable. The dirt, you, we just had to lift everything very carefully. The the dirt was literally packed into our ears, <laughs> eyes, and noses. Oh, Crazy stuff. You know, again, like, <clears throat> no way to transfer that information to somebody that hasn't experienced it other than to say the story. But that was just one day at Amarillo, Texas. Wow. After going down the worst track in the world, losing a lefter, Glenn left the track and ended up, he, he he broke down that that day. So Joe and I were on our own from that point on, you know. And uh you know, n- nothing to fear, right? Drag weakers are always very kind and stop and healthy and stuff, but uh just you know, just another day in the life of drag 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 and drive event.
0: So you're it's an NA motor, correct? Yeah. What about power outer? I heard a rumor that you might it's be coming. doing some of that.
2: It's, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Listen i don't mind losing but i don't want to make a habit out of it (laughs) yeah no Uh, um, you know this coming uh this this week um no secret mark cesino and i have become friends very good close very 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 helpful john and i have gotten super close over the last few years and um you know i talked to mark about adding nitrous to my car, I don't know, over a year ago. And I think he was one of the most scientific guys. He's very patient, he's very um, careful. This
0: is Mr., Mr. Champagne Express. Yep, yep. Yes. Marcus,
2: you know, yes. He called me a few weeks ago. He goes, I can't even get in a magazine without your stupid face being in it. So he's, <laughs> he's, in Sick, he's in Sick Week magazine and, and I'm in the biggest picture with uh-huh. him.
0: Yeah, he has an awesome spread in there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's killer. Um,
0: but you're right, he was so like so calculating and scientific yes. with the nitrous. Like he got it to work really well. But then I think he discovered... for 11
2: it. years. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy bottomless... never burnt a
0: spark plug in 11 years. Now, yeah, he just yeah. Everybody's discovers got this the bottomless bottle of nitrous called Boost. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, uh you know, for me, I I, I have no um, qualms with any power, I, you know. I'm really about the driver. Like, to me, that's, as Rich said before, and I, I think that's the, the best thing I've heard in a podcast, It's like, anybody can win a stick shift race. I, I've never been the, fa- I don't think I've ever been the faster car in anything I've ever won in a stick shift race. It usually happens on the starting line and preparation, right? If your car does the right thing and you cut a great light, uh, you can win the race. You know, there's a lot, lot that could happen in you know the first sixty feet.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, I actually want to dig into that a little because I know you are amazing at cutting a light. I'm usually still having a sandwich, and I'd be like, "Where the hell's Frank?" You know, then I still might catch you and pass you, but. Yeah. Um, um, you know what? The I only thing
2: I got to hang on to on the race that we had in Bradenton was that he only beat me by eight thousandths. And you know <laughs> yeah. what's crazy? I watched you race, uh, Bill. I watched you race <laughs> that guy. That was an amazing race. I have it. I actually sent it to Rich from the Summit. You guys both ran like an oh, eight, that Mustang. It was eight thousandths <clears throat> of a second. Yeah. margin yeah. of victory. Yep. I yep. said I immediately sent it to Rich. I said, I just watched this race. And, that was uh, awesome. Yeah. 8, 000, yeah. I, 860 I, flat, I think, something. Or no, 870
0: no,
4: flat.
0: No, not I haven't been that fast yet. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but no, it was it was so close. And honestly, I had uh <clears throat> I had an issue with the launch. Um and I caught him, but just barely. Like it was so close.
1: Yeah, well, that was that was like when you and I raised Frank. It was the same thing. Like, he you treated me so bad, and uh, that's yeah, that's I my, think I'm a one trick pony.
4: <laughs>
3: but let's uh, my question let's... is, my question is, if he treated you, did he
1: double bulb you?
2: <laughs>
1: I don't think he did on that one.
4: No.
2: <laughs> yeah that that was uh, we we should talk about that too that although i i was excited to win is this it i have a picture no that's not it on
0: that midwest drags race you're talking about we had identical mile an hour identical down to like the thousandth it was crazy yeah i might
1: i know that uh it was funny because i think i i think i was given frank a hard time about double bobbing and he's like You know, when you raced Puckett that time, you double bolted him, and I'm like, "What? Yeah, (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah, of course not. (laughs) Well,
2: here it is. This is the race. Uh, Six thousandths, no, six ten thousandths. That's it, right there. Those are your dirty fingers, Bill. Yeah,
0: look at the mile an hour one sixty five oh seven. Both of us.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I, I bizarre- forget.
0: And I forget yeah, who that was. Look at the bottom.
2: Like, look at the margin of victory. Is it on man, there? Did man, you see that. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> zero zero. Zero 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 six. Tens, <laughs> hundreds, thousands, ten thousands.
0: Yeah, that's wow. that's
2: nuts. Ten
0: thousands. And and I forget who that was. He's got that white cobra jet painted up mustang yes super bad i never
2: saw the car before that Nine ten to 902 okay so it wasn't yeah these 60 foots are terrible (laughs) 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 so yeah i you know when i have a good 60 foot i'm 133 you know
1: Mm. um so yeah let's let's dig into that a bit we didn't uh let's uh i keep derailing
2: the conversation which
1: I know you do, because I, I want to dig into that. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome to say, I'm not going to tell you, but I know doing burnouts beside you and um, occasionally watching you, uh, you scream that thing to the moon. So tell us, how do you do a burnout in yours? Second gear? Second, the third gear. Oh, it the is third. third. Third gear. So I get, I hear a
2: lot about this, about how, how high the RPMs are and all that stuff. So absolutely at the, at the hit of the tire, it's high and it's high right away. And it's in it's on the chip, 8,000, 8,200, whatever the chip is set at.
4: <laughs> uh, and then
2: I try Damn. to bring it down. And the reason is with the centrifugal clutch, with that little bit of uh, base that I have in there, I've been in a situation before where I'll be moderate with the throttle and I let the clutch out and it's the clutch that's spinning and not the tires. Uh, oh. Combination of a super hot track. So I roll through the water, and one of my you know routines is I whack the throttle and let the clutch out in the water and move forward. I don't want to be sitting in the water and throw the water into the wheel well. So I just yeah. give it a little shot and then I move forward. From there, the problem as I see it becomes timing, right? If the starter keeps us there for several minutes, you can have a lot of evaporation. And then I start off with just a small amount of throttle and let the clutch out. And what happens is there's no moisture there for the tire to spin up on. So I let the clutch out and the car's not doing anything. Now, if you accelerate hard and bring the RPMs up, you'll feel the car hop up on the tire and of course it's, it's right at the max. And the reason is it's like an on off switch that throttle. And it was even more pronounced with the old uh, intake manifold, which had the uh, GM style front entry um, throttle body, where it was like very, it was like on and off. It was, it was no middle ground for it. So I've was become the big oval, the big yes. oval blade. throttle. Yeah, it's blade. like a yeah. 1600 CFM oval yeah. front entry. Um, and then when we moved to the bigger motor, you know, I said, you know, should I buy it? You know, my engine builder is Scott Merkel. He's a multiple world champion in the NMCA. His father was a world champion. His brother was a world champion. In fact, Scott's son, who's like a teenager now, he's maybe like 16 years old. He was the, a national soapbox derby champion, you know, with those little wooden cars. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it's in their blood. Um, and um, he said, Yeah, you know, it's probably time to make a move on that. And we, we bought uh, a tunnel ram with two 2000 CFM Accufab throttle bodies. And the mechanism, the throttle mechanism on that is much better. I can, you know, going down the road, it's, you know, very little input and doing a burnout, same thing. It's more controllable. But starting at, you know, RPM limit, which is now it's down to 7,800 it's hard to bring it down to yeah down to (laughs) 7800 listen i have a good engine builder i'm not worried about you know he said you should be able to hold that thing like that all day and not worry about it um the uh the uh the input with my foot i try to come down um, but i'm not very good at it you know it's one thing i'm not very good at and i also love the way it sounds i really do
1: we all do we I all do.
2: The way it sounds. When I used watch a video of my car, I'm like, oh, I wish someone else would could drive the car that I felt confident could drive I'll, the car. I'll do, I'll do, I got volunteers all over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to see it, you know,
0: be there. Um, I'm in the same boat. Same boat. I'd love to hear my own car go down the track
2: because the yeah. video,
0: like it doesn't know justice. Like you just no. don't know.
2: But uh, yeah. I, I This year I changed. We went to a Holley um, ECU this year
0: actually you know what rich if you and i switch cars i would be able to see my car go down the track
1: yeah we could we could do that yeah i don't want to bent <laughs> input shaft though well that's true <laughs> <laughs> and a broken tough. shifter <clears throat>
2: oh true you true, yeah, ripped yeah, the shifter definitely. out of it too oh yeah yeah He can do yeah, that you guys you guys that. have been rough on stuff this year <laughs>
1: you know so yeah. do you have a do you have a clutch switch in your car <laughs> like what releases oh yeah you don't have a rev limiter i don't
2: think but uh yeah i do i have a, so this year when we went to the holly i i'm kicking my headers they're on uh, one of them's <laughs> on the floor um this year we went i i put a uh a burnout switch now so if you noticed when i do the burnout now it's at 6600 hmm. while i'm on the button so i hold it there i get most of what i need that's out of the burnout that's tied to
0: the line lock i'm guessing
2: yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. Just the line lock. So I have a multiple position switch. One is just line lock. And the second position is line lock two-step. So that's when I'm, when I'm all the way up, it's, you know, the I've taken a little bit of flack on the double bulbing. It's my own fault. Uh, I created that. <laughs> the reason it was created is because it's a little bit of a complicated way to get where I'm going, the way I have it set up. So when I, this year I have it so that it's at line lock is 6,600. So when I'm holding that, I'm just at 6,600. It sounds like shit though. I really don't like it. Um, but then when I let go of it and I drive out of that, it's whatever. And it's usually back to, you know, 7,800. And I get a feel for what the car is doing too. I could feel how the suspension is picking the nose of the car up a little bit. Um, When I pull to um, stage bulb, then I have to put, or anytime after I come out of the burnout, I have to put the switch in the other position, which is line lock two step. Then I have to get the car into the second beam, push the clutch down and then hit one time, hit the button, which lock and grab the brake as well. And then hit that button. Now it's line locked. And it's held at the starting line with the brake on with a line lock. And the two-step is set from the clutch. So now mm-hmm. I can floor the car and it's going to go to whatever I had the starting light, starting line RPM <laughs> limiter set to. But yeah. it's a lot to have to do in a hurry. And what happens is it's usually not the first pass of the day, but it's usually any pass after that. When the clutch has a little bit of heat in it, I don't know if you guys have sintered iron or not. But they get very grabby. Yep. No, I
4: don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's got organic material still. I had to basically shame him to take the valve covers off his car and put valve springs on it. John, would you have changed the valve springs if I didn't talk about the valve? No, I would not have. And And then when I saw what he had to do to change the valve springs, I knew why. Exactly. I saw that too. It took oh like
3: a God. week. But oh, that car is a total and complete beast now. I mean, I tested the valve springs, and all thirty-two of them were fucking junk.
4: <laughs>
3: and now it is—I mean, it literally needs to go to a drag strip to actually know if that helped. But it—it it helped. Makes so much more power now. It's unbelievable. I mean. It's worst, ab- worst
2: advice I ever gave anybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it, Did you put a stock spring to... or
0: aftermarket spring in it, John? Whatever I was put... cheaper.
3: No, <laughs> I, I actually, I put packs in it. So I put the pack yeah. replacement coyote valve spring in that car. So I spent the money and bought the good
2: springs. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't blame you for not changing. I showed that picture to someone last night. So you want to see what he had to go through? Yeah oh and I, yeah i would have just bought a new crate engine <laughs> i would have said what can i get for this one and that's it they're only like eight grand right those engines
3: i think i think they're a lot more expensive now but i think that one that i bought for that car was i think it was
2: 6800 when i bought it so wow. that crazy wow. he's gone in the eights with a 6800 engine <laughs>
1: that's and about it, the
2: same it, as what you spent isn't it frank yeah, on the heads,
0: <laughs> Wait,
2: and and it's a
0: Ford, A Ford and a Ford as it's yeah, Ford and a Ford. You're right. A Pontiac
2: yeah. and a Pontiac, Chevy and a Chevy. That's right. That's right. Not, right. Nobody That's right. here sucks. Nobody and you know sucks. what else? <laughs> none.
0: None of none of the people on this podcast have a purse. Not one of them.
2: A purse? <laughs> no. Perfect.
0: Yeah, you got <laughs> an automatic. You got to have a little spot in the back for the. Listen,
2: purse. Let, I was yesterday. I went to. Um, how many of you guys know? Remember uh Doug Garrison 65 GTO.
1: Sixty four, uh, yeah. So oh, four is it? It's four, yeah. Is that oh. the red
2: one? Yeah. 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 You know, I, I said that that when I met him mm-hmm. in 13 and his painter, Jeff Ludwig, I said that that was, and I still believe this, the most beautiful car that's ever done drag week. That car yeah. doesn't have a bad side. The inside of the trunk, the bottom of that car, the engine bay, it is a 10. And I just saw it. He had an accident with it, an on-track accident. Um, it's been a few years now.
1: I think he's that close was... to bringing it back out again.
2: Yeah, he's, he's getting there. But his, um, his painter Jeff Ludwig has a, uh, a holiday party every year. And I was fortunate to get an invite again. And I was there yesterday. And uh, where is it? He, has, he had a sign up on the wall. I want to share it, if I can find
1: it. I can imagine. (laughs) While Frank's, uh, interesting fact, while Frank's looking for that, I think all of us have either been featured by 1320 Video or have a video from Hot Rod Drag Week. I know the three of us did from Hot Rod Drag Week, but just about each one of us has been featured by 1320 as well. Yes. And we don't have purses, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, there it that's is. right. <laughs> <clears throat>
4: if you need a trans cooler. You need you a cooler need a- trans, I like
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's good, that's good. <laughs> so, so, Frank, uh, you talked about clutch, what rear gear? 456. Wow, okay. And quick question, so you said you have gun drilled axles. Any problem with those on the street?
2: Knock on wood. I've okay. been doing drag, win- drag week since 2010. No.
0: What's the weight difference between a gun drilled and a non-gun drilled? You'd have to call Mark Williams. Well, good thing they're right down the road from me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I live in Colorado. That's where I learned how to tattoo. In Denver and um, Englewood and Aurora. No, we yeah. near you. Not far the- from you.
0: No, there's actually um, right next to my office uh, Black Sage Studios, are you familiar with them?
2: There's there's probably 500 tattoo shops in Colorado now. Ah, okay. When I was there, yeah. the the outfit I worked for owned the majority of them. Nice. It was a different different time. It was almost like uh, carding in New York City back in the <laughs> 70s, you know. It was yeah. just a closed yeah. thing.
0: <clears throat> so talk the about the suspension cuz you're a leaf spring setup. And I am very curious on your setup front and rear because unlike Rich, I have leaf springs also. And I'm, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit, especially no prep. It's just, it's worthless for that. But talk about that, your travel, all that type of stuff,
2: please. So in the front of the car, I have uh, coil spring technologies, just stock diameter and length coil springs. I tried last year or the year before um coil overs which are allowed in my class um super street which has been eliminated um but th- the car didn't transfer the weight it just didn't have enough stored energy or possibly i had the wrong weight i had i think a 450 mm. pound spring in there which uh rick Steinkey has in his car which weighs almost the same exact i mean we're within a few pounds of each other um in the back i have a split monoleaf from calvert um which i changed thinking that something was up back there because i've i've struggled in the last two years i mean i put these uh menser shocks in the car which were a lot more money um and they were really good about uh, customer service about revalving the fronts and stuff quality yeah. company i want to say that and and i'm not just saying this because he supports us but gear vendors from way back in 2007 or whenever i bought my uh original gear vendor um i i didn't finish the car for a couple of years and uh when i did finish it i broke the thing almost immediately um and and they were like rick was like no problem send it back i'll send you a new one like yeah there was no question, and he's and he's been that way the whole time. So, but Menser definitely was accommodating. He revalved them. Um, I run Menser's but, on mine. And yeah, as I've gained, as I switched the power, <clears throat> and that's kind of the reason the transmission is out of the car right now. I think that I have too much first gear. My starting line ratio is four, like fourteen and change. Yeah, it's- um, well. You have a pretty deep ring and
0: pinion too.
2: Yeah, so that combination yields a situation where I'm I'm forced to shift that car Instantly. faster than I can, basically. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm all over the limiter in first. But uh, as far as travel, uh, the front end doesn't have a lot of travel because I lowered the front end of the car. The attitude of the car is important to me. The way the car looks is important to me. Um, listen, it's chipped up. She's got some bruises and dents, you know. She looks, you know, war weary. There's a Japanese term for it. It's called wabi sabi. It's just the natural wear and tear.
1: <laughs> well, I got lots of wabi sabi on mine got, too. Yeah, Rich, <laughs> same you know, here. Yeah,
2: pretty much everybody here has got. <clears>
1: throat> I throat> think. Yeah.
2: Bill. Bill, your car is beautiful, but I mean, there's no way to drive a car and do what we do. Yeah, I think I'm up to thirteen events plus everything else I do with the car, um, and I'm, you know. I, I grabbed friends. I drove seventy-five miles one way to get a hamburger with the car. You know, like I'm not afraid to drive a car. Um, it's not a trailer queen, but um, yep. I will say one of the things at Midwest
0: Drags is you had that aluminum exhaust and you had me pretty intrigued. And I did that last winter as I put aluminum exhaust in mine. So save yeah. some weight,
2: right? But they move around quite a bit. They crack and I. I've, they're not main t- maintenance free. I tell you what, I've put
0: probably. Seventy five hundred miles on it, and I've had no cracks. Do you have an X pipe?
3: Nope. Yeah, nope. That's where
0: the problems occur. Well, I have turbo yeah. mufflers
2: on it. I have turbo Frank's,
3: mufflers. Frank's X pipe broke. Getting it? You
4: yeah. you broke it on
2: Drag Week. Yeah, the X pipe. Yeah, again,
4: again. But yeah,
2: we we made uh we put a doubler on it now. Oh. My the, my friend Bobby, who's basically I call him Dad. He's uh he's a a super high level, um, fabricator. Um, he mainly does like, um, railings and complicated, uh, stuff now because he's very smart, but he comes from the aircraft industry. Um, his work ethic and his work, his capabilities are really, really high. But he's also a very practical and systematic guy, like Mark. I think we kind of glossed over the Mark situation and nitrous and how, how, and why I'm headed that way. But Bobby's—he's uh, like my uh, my dad. He tells me, "Oh, when was the last time you had you know the wheel bearings out? And when was the last time you checked this? And when was the last time you checked that? You should flush that system out. And you should put this." And he's just constantly got me um, thinking about things that. I don't think about, you know, maintenance, just basic little maintenance stuff. And,
1: yeah. Bell you know, Springs and a coyote. Yeah. So he, basic, he, easy things to change. <laughs> I mean, stuff. you know, yeah.
2: I've, I've torn, I don't know about you guys, but I've torn this car apart many times. I mean, engine out, transmission out that I could take this car apart like a NASCAR unit at this point, you know, it's just, I have <laughs> systems. I know whatever, what everything is on the car. I would love to take sizes. this drive line and drop it in a, a old Corvette or something, you know, but I know this car, you know, and it's, <clears throat> there's a lot of pluses to it as well, but you know, he can organize. He'll, we'll be working on the car sometimes and it will be like, all right, let's put all the tools away and reset, start over. It's like, it's become, very valuable having somebody as smart as him and as practical as him in my life. Just making me think, you know, I'm, I'm like the, the uh, teenager with a hard-on, you know, I just want to get in the car and go fast. You know, I don't <laughs> <laughs> maintenance. <fuck> maintenance. <laughs> want to go out. Yeah. I,
0: I keep that in mind too. And Rich and I talk about this a lot, but God, it's so much easier over the winter just to check through all that stuff and fix it. than it is to do it on the side of the road. Cause that, just, yep. then you're like, letting- now- oh my God, you know what? I should have checked this at home and
2: I was no. lazy
0: and now here I got to do it on the side of the freaking road. It sucks. Yeah. I,
2: it sucks. I Believe me, I did it in, in uh, I think we were coming, it might've been when we left Amarillo. I, there was no side of the road. The, the road was like this and then it just dropped off the sides. So yeah. we had the car on the white line, track the trailers in Texas. They don't, they don't have a slowdown mode. They just go 95 miles an hour. And I was doing lifters on the driver's side. And these tractor trailers were going by me really fast. That was terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. You don't even hear them coming, you know, until they're passing you. But yeah, I do a lot of work. Chris McNeely just commented on that. He goes, you don't spend a lot of time fixing stupid stuff like me on drag week. And I say, yeah, because I do that stuff ahead of time. I've learned the hard way. I mean, 2010, 11, and 12, nobody put more hours in than me. Nobody. Yeah. We yeah. got back to the hotel one time at like 3.50 in the morning in 2010. And my friend always jokes around about this. He goes, you remember what you said when you got out of the car? I said, no. I was delirious. We were breathing fumes for 13 hours. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you just said, <laughs> you think anybody's behind us? And we just <laughs> both burst into laughter. <laughs> <laughs> got, you know, like. Quality ninety minutes of sleep, and we were back at it. Nice, yeah. (laughs) But Mark, I wanted to get back to this because I feel like we didn't finish it about the Power Ranger thing, and you know, not wanting. It's not about winning necessarily. That's a nice (laughs) feeling. It's a goal, of course. Like I want to do well, but you know, throughout the years, I've you know, kind of bring a knife to a gunfight, but I always find somebody. If, you know, whatever the time I was going, whether it was, you know, 1090 or 1050 or 1020, there's always somebody that I can chase that it, my goal is if I can catch him, if I can get in front of him, that's, you know, it's an achievable goal so I can accomplish it. For me to go there and, and Kurt Johnson is going to be a constant, you know, constant um, threat, right? If he's there, he's going to finish and he's usually going to finish at the top, so you know you're kind of battling for second or third, and that's usually where I come in. I'm I'm three, four, or five. That's where my car usually sits, except for when you and I, Bill, went to Midwest. I was second for the first time, but there yeah. was no trophy for second. But <laughs> I said, you know, this guy's got a turbo. I, you know, my goal is to you know stay two turbos, two turbos, <laughs> I, I stay as close to him as I can. And this year too at Drag Week. Uh, I came in third. Um, unfortunately, the guy that was in first got DQ'd, um, and so I got I got moved into third. But the other two cars had power adders, and I don't. So I felt like you know that's that's a good accomplishment. You know, that I can't expect you know to be knocking guys out with turbos. You know what I mean? It's just unrealistic. It's just
0: well, bot- bottom nines with an NA car at thirty nine hundred pounds is freaking impressive as hell especially i mean yeah. stick shift it's it's awesome
2: it, there's more in it i haven't realized it and that's what i'm kind of doing this year i'm trying to like be more you know i've been pretty lax over the years about you know cert, you know about improving certain systems like the clutch like being more scientific about the clutch having guys like bobby my fabricator friend and and mark and, and glenn of course you know in my corner, you know, drives me to want to do better. And I, that's my goal this year is to be more scientific about, especially about the clutch, maybe take some first gear out of it so that I can utilize first gear more. And the reason I'm going to nitrous probably at the end of next season, because it's a rebuild year anyway, um, is because I really don't need that. I don't think I need that much. Bless you. To get where i'm going i don't want to go faster than 850 in this car um yeah. i don't think it's i don't you know for me i not whatever anybody else wants to do is is fine with me you know if you're comfortable going 770s in a car that weighs 4,000 pounds you got bigger balls <laughs> than i do
4: <laughs>
2: i don't want to do that on a 10 and a half inch tire um, no i i think i think i'm gonna i'm gonna be excited <laughs> When I start spraying this thing. And uh, oh, yeah. between Mark and my engine builder, Scott Merkel, we just felt like I can get where I wanna go pretty easily with nitrous.
1: Yeah.
2: And the packaging issues that were ahead of me with turbos and procharger or supercharger, they were just you know, too much to have to overcome. And also to make the car pretty nose heavy too. Right now, I'm about 50.2% 50, 50. over the front tires. Oh,
1: that's
2: yeah. pretty that's impressive. And that's yeah. just the way
0: the car sits. <clears throat> well, and I'll tell you when I went from my NA setup, which was a Cleveland motor, it was thirty five fifty with me in it, and it picked up a three hundred pounds when I went to the turbo setup <sighs> with the Windsor. Um boy. you know, you got the turbos, you got the intercooler, the dart block is heavy. You know, it's like I think seventy eight pounds heavier than a Windsor block. I don't know what it is over at Cleveland, that's a pretty heavy block and heads, but <clears throat> but yeah, and I, I'm right with you. And I think Rich is the same. Like, I'm not going to put anything other than the 850 cage in my car because I can take the door bars out. You can drive it. It's not like there's a cage in it. Like, if I want to go sevens, I'll build a different car
2: and it won't be 3,700 pounds.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Like tick performance. I mean, I think that car weighs t- like 20 under 2,300 pounds or something like that.
1: Yeah. Know, what did he it, tell us? Grub,
2: grub he... worm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, Jonathan, like, that yeah, thing was, had an LT, a legit LT1 in it. Yeah. Up until I, I, this past year, I think, right? I like, and the only reason they didn't have that in was I think rebuilding that time wise was going to take too long. <laughs> and they had the other project already started or
4: something. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I
0: feel like it was 26 ish hundred. Oh,
4: was it that?
0: I'm not sure. But but still you
2: know,
4: impressed. Oh
0: yeah. 2000 plus horsepower. Like it's, it's legit. It's pretty. Similar. Imagine
2: taking. 500 pounds out of your car
1: (laughs) i dream about that that. would be nice 30 if
2: this car weighed thirty five hundred pounds i don't even
1: yeah so you're not gonna you're not gonna spray it at sick week
2: no no because i need um in (laughs) fact like i was with mark yesterday on the way home i stopped with him and he was i had switched to this new ecu we got my car running i think wednesday just got it running and then Thursday, um, tuned it. My tuner, Darren Barone also tunes, uh, Glenn, you know, helped Glenn with his car. Great guy, great tuner. I know Blasco tuned your car, smart guy. He's helped me before. He's super smart. Um, guys at that level are all good, right? I have. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's who you can, I think have a relationship, a good relationship with and proximity to is helpful, right? My engine builder is around my age. He's He's nearby and in, in, uh, geographically that's helpful. I just feel like he's going to be in the game as long as I'm going to be in the game and he's nearby and we have a good rapport and same thing with Darren. And, you know, so Darren got the car running on Wednesday, Thursday, we drove it around. He said, don't kill me, but you need to lean into this thing so I can get some kind of tune going. And then Friday I drove, you know, to drag week. So That week I learned how to do downloads. I learned how to do changes to the timing, you know, with coaching of course, but last night, Mark took me to the Mark Cicino Clinic of scientific approach to data logging and storing information and and he really (laughs) helped me. Today I worked on it this morning before breakfast and you know, tonight we have this, but tomorrow morning I'm gonna get back at it. And um, Mark didn't want to start showing me how to tune for nitrous in the fall, because he felt like the, the air was too, fall air was a little more unpredictable and you know the tune was gonna be a little bit harder to figure out and he didn't want to rush it. And I said, hey, you're quarterback in that, you're gonna teach me, you teach me when you want to teach me.
1: He's coming to sick week too, isn't he?
2: I think. He's, he's planned to, but you know, I don't know if you're having trouble where you are, but I think he's having issues with certain parts. He's got his car running and stuff but he's pretty uh he's pretty precise mm-hmm. and he wants things a certain way like i said he he sprayed pretty i mean a guy was going 850s in that car on nitrous um, and hadn't had any issues for 11 years never even nipped the plug yeah crazy so he's he's he, it's not a guy that throws <clears> things <throat> against the wall and see what sticks he's pretty systematic and another guy that doesn't have failures because he prepares and he does the work Hardworking guy seven days a week you know he's just i i need more of that i'm a little bit more of a risk taker i wouldn't say i'm you know certainly not nuts but
1: it's oh, <laughs> no. spraying no. in the fall i'm ready <laughs> so let's do this what about you john are you coming to sick week
3: i'm probably gonna come down and hang out for a couple of days but i won't be bringing cars I don't have the vacation time, starting a new job. I have enough to hopefully do Drag Week in 2023. So that's probably my plan. Nice. And, and I mean, it sucks too, because Jesus, there's a guy named Drag and Drive event almost every month now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, is they the, make, uh,
0: the thing to do is figure out how to make that your full-time job. Exactly. Right.
3: I mean, yeah. What are you doing? I'm gonna go drag racing for a week and then a month later I'm gonna go do it again. And then a month later, I'm gonna go do it again. A month later, I'm gonna go do it again. And
4: yeah. I mean, yeah.
3: before when we started this, it was drag week and that was it. And yeah. I remember that in 13 when I signed up, I think I signed up a week after registration opened.
0: Yeah. And because yeah, not, there
3: was no not there was seven no, and a
0: half minutes after registration opened. Yeah
3: there was no no need to be in a big hurry and then as the years went that hurry got bigger and bigger and bigger and then by doing that i feel that they're like well if they're selling out this fast why don't we make another event and make another
1: event and now there's what 10 12 events no it's in the teens actually yeah i think I think there's like 13 events. I was just listening to Michael Narks talk about it. It's crazy how many there is now. Well, and there's two in Canada now, right? Yeah, there's two in Canada yet this yeah. year, yeah, next year. Awesome. Yeah. Rich, that's where awesome. do you live? Alberta? Yeah, if you know where Montana is, I'm like seven hours north of Montana. Border. Wow. What's the temperature there right now, Rich? Uh, let me see if I can find it in Fahrenheit for my American friends.
0: Well, you said it was 27 below Celsius I think earlier, right? Sounds cold. It is. It's like 30 below Celsius. So red ready
1: Deer?
2: Ready. Are you in Red Deer? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, minus 9 Fahrenheit right now. Feels like feels like minus 29 though cuz it's uh windy. windy and then on Tuesday it's going to be minus 20 Fahrenheit. Whew. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's
3: six here right now and it's cold.
1: Well,
0: that's, that's what we call like, that's like ultra boost weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so John, actually, I wanted to, I think Rich can chime in on this too, since him and I both were on C16 at the track, I think you had said you hadn't tuned on it, but it slowed down. Um, It's a much slower burning fuel. And I think you're going to see changes in timing is probably where your tune is going to change.
3: Well, and, and. It was, it was so, when I found out I couldn't get the fuel and then I didn't want to, trying to get with my tuner to retune that car, it would literally be another, he's like, I'm months out. He's like, put C16 in it, it's gonna be fine. Just watch the oxygen sensors. Make sure if it starts to kill those, you bring some with you and put it in. And I I really do think the car did slow down a little bit on that fuel. I mean, it probably wasn't a significant amount, but it's still, I think it took easily two tenths out of that car. Because on 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 that other stuff, I mean, the car was constantly going 124 in the eighth and 158 in the quarter. And then when I put C-16 in it, it lost four miles an hour on both ends.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I feel like the tuning window will be larger, but yeah. Just don't, I mean, I know you especially work with Matt more, but I think the timing
3: could be more aggressive on that fuel. Because well, it's... I, I I had talked to Matt about that and he was like, yes, timing is going to be an issue. And that guy is really good. He's great because I hardly know him and he will answer any question I send his way. Which yeah. is really yeah. awesome. I mean, there's not a lot of people out there that will stop what they're doing for someone they hardly know and say, "Hey, this is probably what's going on," you know. And he, hell, he, I think he, he may have even offered to
1: help me retune that car. So, yeah, that's and awesome. he will. He love He loves it. Like, and he's he's, in my opinion, uh, what makes Matt special is because he tunes a bunch of OEMs and he's smart enough. Uh, I think it was Bill or something called him a savant the other day. And he's (laughs) honestly, he's not far off, but he'll look at, he'll look at what the OEMs do and he will just about every time he's in my car and we're on a trip, he is adjusting all kinds of things. And I have to go back and look to see what he's been playing with. But he, he knows that the OEMs have tons of time and tons of engineering in. So he'll incorporate all that kind of stuff into my tune and, um yeah it's amazing what he what he can do and and yeah he's not afraid to help people and he wants to teach people so they can do it themselves it's not like he's closed book on it so yeah he literally rode in my car for
0: 20 minutes and the drivability is so significantly better it's it's
2: ridiculous like it's Uh, yeah it's so it's it's fantastic what did 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 he change the afr going down the road lean it out For my car, no.
0: I was a little lean and he fattened it up and it actually gets better mileage since he did that. What do you get around, you know, driving around? And
2: can you drive on pump gas around town?
0: I do. I drive on pump gas. If I don't have the trailer on it and I drive it like a sane human being, it'll probably get 20. But keep in mind that I've got a 0.5 overdrive. So literally 85 miles an hour is like 1700 RPM. With the trailer on it, um depending on wind and stuff like 12 to 16 ish right in there
2: what about you rich
1: uh empty it'll get 22 um towing a trailer 16 to 18 now i, I have a 0.5 and a 3.5 rear gear so i'm 1700 <laughs> is uh 80 miles an hour oh. <laughs>
0: yeah he's got a little less gear than i run uh, 370. We're I, very close.
1: I need to do that conversion on my
3: 56 because I'm still 68 on, or no, yeah, 68 on my sixth gear. I need to put the the 50 in there and uh, whatever that other, the fifth gear ratio is because that's yeah. easy enough to do on a Tremac or on yeah, that. Yeah, the,
0: the fifth stays the same. I will tell you that um, the split now between fifth and sixth isn't nearly as nice. Um, like uh, you've got I've got to be rolling to put it into sixth, or okay. it really is too too much drop. But for the dragon drives, dude, they're or if
1: you're if you're yeah. gonna drive to Florida, like three thousand yeah. miles, point five yeah. is <laughs> like,
0: pretty awesome. Like literally, literally on race weeks, nobody passes Rich and I. I mean, we're our cars are so comfortable. <laughs> Sounds like 90- a challenge. <laughs> like 90 accepted. miles an hour it's so comfortable at, at 90 miles an hour it's just it's just smooth down the road the engine is just it's like a high idle as rich says it's and it's so much less wear and tear on valve train and everything
1: yeah i think 2000
2: rpm in my car is 100 miles an hour same <laughs> it doesn't But well yeah you have a mild cam right so i have a more I, aggressive cam
1: yeah i mean well I, my, so mine's like seven hundred lift and about yeah, 266 in 266 yeah. in duration um, that's cute I- <laughs> that's cute <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Aww. Aww.
4: <laughs> that's a cam <laughs> uh,
1: but when i put the turbos on it it was amazing how it like before the turbos you couldn't cruise that thing below 2200 without it bucking and yep. Soon as I put the turbos on, I I kid you not, I can cruise that thing at fifteen hundred RPM and it's smooth. Yeah, I was it was one of the benefits of turbos that I didn't have with a pro charger um or NA. Um I don't know if it's just the back pressure and the exhaust, but man, it uh it just makes that thing so much more streetable. Gets better fuel economy, makes fifteen hundred horsepower. It's like it's almost stupid. Like it's just yeah. goofy how much better of a car I've made it, but
0: and yours makes fifteen hundred horse on like sixteen pounds of boost, right, or fourteen?
1: Yeah, it's like fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> How big was, is the turbo? It's a ninety-four millimeter turbo. Oof. And uh, got a
0: five, it's like a five twenty-one though. It's a big motor.
1: Yeah, not as big as Frank's. Mine's just cute no. compared to it's Frank's. Just cute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got. <laughs> got to make it up I'm, somewhere. That's where my. That's why my cam's so cute too. <clears throat> that's the right. Motor. That's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, the bucking thing I went through with Glenn when he, uh, definitely when he had the uh, supercharger on his car, because I had a gear vendor and he didn't. And so he, he would want to be at a speed that caused my car to be at 2200 and just surging. And that was with a Dominator. Once we went to fuel injection, it was much, much better. Yeah. But it's, it's still not a great RPM.
1: Right? Yeah yeah
2: so yep. 70 we cruise about 70 to 74 somewhere in that range that's average and i'm like 2600 rpms 27 somewhere in that range but right. i found out that the car also really likes to be at 3000 like it's so smooth at 3000 yeah <laughs> nice
1: nice well and that's I- the thing you got yeah, you got to know your car, right? Exactly. I can...
2: I've never cruised it that high, but when we did, because now Glenn's got like, I don't know, he's got a 308 in there or something like that. He, <laughs> he's got so much power. He doesn't need any gear. Yeah. Now we're able to go. Now it's just about fuel economy, really. It's like, hey, if we cruise this speed, you know, we're getting shitty gas mileage. If we go this speed, it's much better. Same thing when we drove to Florida with our trucks. He's like talking about getting there. I always lead. Ninety-nine percent of the time, Joe and I lead. Um, usually, if he's in the front, he runs something over, like a cat. So if you're <laughs> ever missing a cat, one time we are in the middle of somewhere in the Midwest, and uh, Joe's like, "Hey, I need some time." Joe will do the navigating all five days, but uh, he'll, once in a while, I'll be like, "Hey, I want to take a tank of gas off." You know, like I just want to, just want to look out the window for an hour and a half or two. So I'll wave Glenn on. Usually is. You know, when he had one of his former co pilots, they would get, start sweating because they've never had to engage their brain. And usually, uh, <laughs> when you hand them the directions and tell them to get in front, they start, you know, they got the paper yeah. in their hair and they're like, oh, <laughs> but, uh, I've seen then, that before. Yeah, they'll start running cats over. We see a cat come flying out the <clears throat> wheelie bars of his car, like. Hey, what the fuck? That's somebody's
4: pet. <laughs> break
2: his balls about that. Oh my God. But once he went down to the lower gears, it's nice because you know we can we can cruise together. Now he complains about the uh how fast I drive because I bought a new uh diesel last year. So we're going to Florida and the pouring rain 85 miles an hour, and we get to a, a pilot station to fill up. And he's like, Hey, uh, we're getting really bad mileage. I'm like, hey. You want to get there, or you want to save fuel? Like I can't do both. Like, I, don't have that, I don't have that switch. That button isn't in my car. <laughs> the do both button. Nice, nice. Hey,
1: one thing we one thing we glossed over, but you touched on it, Frank, was uh taking notes on every pass. I was just listening to a podcast with uh Billy the Kid and his brother uh with Beater Bomb, and he was talking about his meticulous notes. And I think it's the same with. Justin Shear, like Big Chief, he like meticulous notes. Both you guys, do you guys, are you are you very good at writing shit down and recording every pass and all the details? John doesn't mm-hmm. do anything,
2: <laughs> and he has a bad memory. So it's like John. John's racing career is like fifty-first dates. <laughs> he knows nothing he couldn't tell you anything about anything. Right, John? Am I exaggerating? You're right. you're right. But I enjoy
3: that aspect of doing that because it takes, I mean, when you think about everything in life where you have to take notes and shit like that, when I go and do that events, it's, it's still a vacation for me and I'm having a good time. But you're right. I don't. I don't pay attention to that stuff. Well, what did you shift at? Oh, the light came on somewhere around 7,400 RPM. Or what what did you launch it at? I go, I don't know, somewhere high. So it's just, that's just the way I do that. But could I be more successful? I think there's a lot to that taking notes and stuff like that, that would help in that area
2: for sure. Frank? Sure. Yeah, I, I data log every run. I look at it. i uh, basically looking for problems um, now with this new, and that was with the uh, Big Stuff 3. So there, there wasn't as much information. Uh, and we've added a little bit of technology. We're about to add a little bit more sensors and stuff. There's more things I can look at. And actually what Mark was doing yesterday and what um, Darren, my new tuner, was teaching me on Drag Week was how to look at that information. I really don't know that much about the new system yet. I'm starting to know. Today was about organizing the, uh, the information to the year, to the day, you know, the track I was at, which run, number one, number two, number three. Rick Steinke also was talking to me about how he data logs everything. Uh, I take pretty good notes and we take video of every single run. Um, so we pieced together a picture. I've, I've basically been chasing um, traction. That's been my biggest thing, you know, moving the clutch around. I was pretty lax about a lot of that stuff about the clutch. I backed into the clutch tune-up a different way than most people do. I talked to Ram about it. So I didn't want to get under the car because I have to change all four tires at the track um and to do that in my car i have to drop the springs the shocks and the sway bar um, yeah. and and now we have uh not a sway bar we have uh uh what do you call it ARB anti roll bar Anti roll bar so it's a lot of work um i spend you, you've seen it i've spent a yeah. fair amount of time under the car the, yeah. the car has to be very high in the air the springs have to come down everything comes down so I didn't want to fit fit uh, fiddle with the clutch as well. But when I talked to Ram, I said, you know, I want to set it at a place where I know it's not going to slip and I can drive down the road. And he's like, I, I agree with that. And I moved the starting line RPM around. You know what I mean? If the track yeah. is good, I'll add a little more if the track is bad. And how do I ascertain whether it's good or bad is I just, I try to get a peek at some of the guys I know that know what's up. You know, like you don't want to watch a half-wit spin the tire on the start. Line. <laughs>
1: oh, no wonder you're never up there on the starting lane when
4: I'm
2: so I'm never around when you're up there. <laughs> no, but I never want to I never want to base anything I do off anybody else that I don't know has reliable information. You know, if you know guys go up there that you know have their head screwed on straight, and I won't mention any names, there's plenty of people you can watch. Um, yeah. um and and they're having problems. You want to use that information, you know, to your advantage. And that's how I used to do it. But then, you know, listen, my car started the first year. My best pass was 11.04 at Indy. And Indy's not been a great track for me historically. But, you know, now mm-hmm. the car goes, you know, faster than 9.50 pretty much everywhere. Yeah,
4: so awesome.
2: the car's come a long way. I've had to do... I've had to do more work to get to that point. And we started looking at the clutch and setting it up, loosening it on the starting line, you know, when I'm racing and tightening it to leave the track.
1: Yeah, that's what so, I do every every time. I, I just about take all the base out when I get to the track and I put six turns back in for the for this jump. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm driving a long ways, but uh, um, I'll tell you, I don't know if you've been watching it all but uh, i tried radials i'm going that way i knew you were going to say it
2: <laughs> Stein, steinke and mark were like looking at some video i sent them from cecil from uh mid-october of this year and i've always gone this way is to stick the slick to the track which is counterintuitive to yep. you know what people like to do with a slick but my car once it spins the slick it balls it up and does crazy stuff and rattles the tire and I think that has a lot to do with the SLR, right? It's fourteen yep. inches, so it just—it's just destroying the tire. So now we've added probably almost two. No, we've added two pounds of air to the tire and improved on it dramatically. But now I'm sticking it to the track to get these good ETs. And Mark was like, "Listen, I think it's time." Pro bracket yep. radio, let's go.
1: That's so, what I. That's what I put on mine. My...
2: I know you did, and uh, <laughs> and I know you you're pretty happy with it.
1: Yeah. 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 I broke the transmission at 1.29 into the run, and I still went one forty one sixty foot. So I think it was probably on a 135 and uh, 60 foot. Um, but the other thing is all those tracks in Florida are radial tracks. And our slicks, I don't know about you, but our slicks did not like – I didn't like those tracks on no, slicks. Not but at they'll all. Work, it'll work good on radials down there.
2: But that first day, how were your 60 foots the day we raced?
1: yeah 151 150 not very good right but I mean I only went 147 when I went 877 on the third day there so but what about uh, ET
2: on the first day
1: Nine zero,
2: I think so was that the best of the week
1: no 877 was the best week oh
2: 877 okay yeah so I had a to- first day was the best et but none of those tracks uh the 60 foot was was great
1: yeah and i think it was because yeah i think it was because they were radio prep and the slicks just balled up and they grabbed so hard um yeah lonnie said that he
2: goes you don't want to be on this with that and i said yes i do but i didn't (laughs) (laughs) he was right Yeah.
4: yeah yeah yeah
2: so the goal now is to get the car to uh to hook anywhere. So that's my goal before I start spraying it. Get the car to hook everywhere, be able to put it on the back bumper everywhere. You know, we've taken that out of the car, right? Back in Bristol, when we were in Bristol, I had set the car up to wheelie and it wheelied all right. It was wheeling in three gears. So we took that out of it. Um, and now we're kind of fighting to get back there a little bit to be able to pick the car up like that. But with the Menser shocks, I don't know if it's a combination of the fact that the car is making so much more power now. Uh, At that time, I think it was making 700 and change with the smaller motor. Now it's making nine and change with this motor. So it's, you know, it's just a different set of circumstances, right? And I haven't figured it out fully, but I need to. That's another reason Mark wasn't in a rush. Like there's things that I have to learn and have a full grasp on before we start adding power, right? Yeah. You know? So that's where I am now.
1: Frank, did we, or John, did we ask how fast, what's your quickest? 8. 8.96 at 158 miles
4: an hour.
3: And what's your quickest, I backed 60? it up at, that was at, God, that was Cecil when we were out there. And uh, then it went, so, the, you know, the person that i think about when that happened was uh jason jason dosher because he come up to me he goes okay you've done it once but will it do it again it's you know don't don't praise it until you can back it up and we took it back to virginia and it went in 898 or 897 there and so you know that was reassuring that the car is capable of doing it but it, I, I told Frank this while we were I, I can't uh, while we were on Drag Week this year because that car had gone eight like fifteen years ago, oh. and it took 50. fifteen years for it to happen again. And I told Frank when we were on Drag Week, I said it probably won't do it again for another ten fucking years. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: Not with that
2: attitude.
4: <laughs> and,
3: yeah,
4: not
2: with that attitude. Maybe now those
3: bow springs are in there, it will do it again.
2: Yeah, yeah, very well could. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. Ask ask um John Ens about attitude. John and, and uh Dave Schroeder. Yeah. We're at 17, right? We're we're having some fits. And John started putting some negative talk out there in front of me. And I was like. <laughs> don't do not put that out in the universe i'm like you can't win this thing until you first believe that you're gonna win this thing yeah. and i just like i just i just shook him out of it and they won and then he saw me right when you were going up to win your trophy i bumped into him and he was like shaking me by the shoulders you were right you were right. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'll never forget what you said. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I've, I've kind of known when things were going to go right for me is because I thought they were going to go right. I, I kind of felt that they were going to go right, Believed they were going to go right. And there's an old saying, I forget if it was uh, Earl, what's his name, Earl Hightower. He said, if a man believes he can, he's absolutely right. And if he believes he can't, he's absolutely right. Absolutely right. right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah. <clears throat> I know it. What- yeah, it's kind of funny. Like when I drove to Florida last year, I mean, I didn't know who was going to show up to sick week. Like I, you know, I decided you had registered and um, you know, I had no idea. And then and then we saw uh Jamie there with the Honda and he had around like eight seventies or something. And I'm like, well, this, it's gonna be an interesting week to see if he survives. And um, but you're right, you gotta go in there thinking, well, I have I have a chance to win this just like anybody else. And you know, I, I truly believe that it doesn't matter when you are going. I know Chad's coming to sick week this year and he wants to run in the sevens all week, but <clears throat> that doesn't mean we can't win. And Maybe
2: plans. Well. God less.
1: laughs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I, Rich, you think we should jump into the TKO?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it, and I modified your questions so uh, only one of them. But you'll fi- you'll figure out which one.
0: <laughs> Do you want to? Start? I'll make sure. You- so you go. You start,
1: and then you you get okay. asked. The- <clears throat> All right. So, you guys know
0: what a TKO transmission is. It's a five-speed Tremec transmission. So we have yep. the TKO round. We have five questions. So we'll ask you first gear. I'll ask, and you both answer, not at the same time. <laughs> What, what is the first car you've owned or modified john first
3: uh i put Krager ss wheels on my volkswagen beetle nice. so i would have to say that would be the first car i modified
0: 72 beetle right
3: 72 beetle i had crager ss's all the way around it
0: bad so, ass. okay
2: what nice. was the first car or first car you modified
0: yeah, first car yeah. you
2: owned or first car you modified? '68 Olds '98 with a 455 and a four barrel. <laughs> nice. Pass any, pass anything but a gas station. And the first modification <laughs> was to flip the air cleaner lid.
4: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: that's awesome.
0: <clears throat> um, not sure where Rich went. He'll be back on. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna jump into second. Um, we'll do the second gear since Rich blanked out here for a second. So what, in your opinion, has been the biggest technology change to move our sport forward?
4: Who's going
3: first, me or Frank? Yeah, you go, John. Technology change. Computers. I think that the systems that, like, where Frank was it would be a perfect example of big stuff. And then now going to a Holly system, if you, it just seems that. As I watched drag racing over the years, that what cars were able to do with the computer systems they were had at that time to compare it to now what people are available to have for computer systems. I think it's dramatically changed the sport because it almost, it makes it to where the average person now with a little bit of help from someone who knows what's going on can tune a car better than you probably could 20 years ago. So I think that the software programming, the computer program, or just that the availabilities of like, holly the dominators and all that stuff that's out there now is just astronomical than what it was over the years
2: nice i like it yeah frank yeah i'm with john with the fuel injection and those systems uh so with that said i would say uh transmissions the durability of uh manual transmissions now just i mean when i started the first aftermarket transmission i had You know, I had a bunch of Muncies and stuff, but the first aftermarket was a Doug Nash 5-speed when they were relatively new. Um, And that was in my Nova. I had a pretty badass Nova, beautiful Nova, which I just sold after like 30-something years to a family, a friend. Um, But I had a Doug Nash 5-speed in that. But, you know, you couldn't shift that over like 70, 7,300, 7,400. It wouldn't eventually the main shaft and the cluster would move apart and it just become problematic and not shift um but now like this gf5r i mean i've had this thing for six years and knock on wood it's been flawless i, I just don't think about it you know i guess so i guess materials right i mean if you break it right yeah. down it's like the the metallurgy in these things nowadays my rear end is something i don't think about and my transmission is something i don't think about
1: bill's Bill's laugh when you're getting older frank you might want to keep an eye on the rear end
2: (laughs) Uh, one of them can leak but the other one can't
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: leaky o-ring affects a lot of things (laughs) okay this is a yeah
1: Go ahead. Uh, this is a new question. Um, we used to like ask, uh, like "What it, was really. your what was your day job?" But now, now the question is: uh, If you could spend one day with someone, who would that be, and what would you do? And we're going to leave it wide open. You can go back mm-hmm. in the past, or it could be tomorrow, whatever you want. Uh, try to not make it sexual.
2: <laughs> I would, I would spend it with my younger self. I would coach my younger self because I've, I've endured a lot of unnecessary worry through the years. Um, you know, if this is kind of plays off that thing. Um, if you could write your younger self a letter, what would it say? And I, and I did that um, years ago, you know, <clears throat> wrote the letter to young, to my younger. So I started my business when I was 25 years old so um there's a lot of worry you know i had my my daughter was born 31 days later and i went i I pushed all my chips in when i was 25 years old and had a baby on the way if you know that's that was a big balls moment wow but it didn't come without a lot of anxiety so i it may it may sound arrogant but i think it would be that would probably be Knowing what I know now and telling my younger self all this information that I have now about life and about mistakes I've made and about moments that I could have maybe squeezed a little more joy out of them or people I could have spent more quality time with and just having the wisdom I have now. I I would like to share that with my younger self, as arrogant as that sounds. Um, I may not be much, but I'm all I ever think
1: about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good luck following that up, John. (laughs) Exactly. What was the... Tell me, read the question again. I said, if you could spend one day with somebody, who would that be? And what would you do? I'm staring at him. I would spend it with
3: Frank Romano.
4: Nice.
3: Great choice.
2: And what would you do? Well... What I've learned. From- hold, hold him down and make him my bitch now. What
3: let's I've not. learned from that guy over the last 10 years, I can remember the first time I met Frank Romano, I was scared of him. I know exactly where it was in Bowling Green. And I was under my car, and you and Glenn and Glenn's co pilot came walking by and offered me help because I had just burnt like a starter wire. I had jacked the car up and the, the, the battery positive cable runs underneath the K member and I jacked it up and it arced and it almost caught the fucking car on fire. And you guys were there. But what I've learned over the years about being more spiritual and thinking about things have come from Frank. So I mean, it's cliche, but the guy, he's, you're a really good person. And I, I take to heart what you have to say to me. I know you cringe what you want, but you've helped me out a lot in the recent years. And you know what I'm talking about. I, I sure I, I, what he said about his younger self is true to me too because after i did what i did to myself in my transformation if i if i knew what i know now if i knew then i would have changed a long time ago because not only did it change me physically it changed me emotionally spiritually everywhere it changed me from head to toe so i'm a better person from it and knowing people like everybody on this screen has made me a better person so thank you john you're welcome
1: that's awesome that's a great add to the questions hey bill
0: i i really (laughs) like the change you made to the question that's awesome yeah so since i took one and two you take three and four
1: okay yeah geez after that question though uh these other ones are boring um what influences you to build your cars Either one can go first. Whoever's got it. God, it's not girls because
3: I just don't think girls like fast cars anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, no. when I was in high school, it was, but now yeah. it's they they give two shits about it, and it's funny too because there was I took somebody for a ride in that car of mine just recently, and uh, she's someone who's been around me since I've made a transform my transformation and. I did a full bogey pass in that car on an on strip, all four gears, wide open throttle, the whole nine yards, and she looks <laughs> over at me and goes, "Now I know why you do this."
4: And, you know, nice.
3: it was that's why it, it came full circle that there is actually someone understood why I go out and do that. I mean, it's an adrenaline rush, so I build it for the excitement of being around people and doing that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's what I do. It's what I've always done. Sure. It started on the street, but now it ends on the drag strip. So
0: Uh, your, your guys's answers make me want to answer these questions. too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say at at first, I before John said what he said, I was going to, I, the first thought I had was ego. I think, and I think, um, I get a, pr- a pretty good stroke on my ego from the response of the car. You know, a lot of people, whatever the, the compliments or whatever, but, um, I, you know, there's another piece of it that I think that I'm aware of now, and that's that I'm very present in the car. When I'm in the car, I'm not somewhere else. Kind of like the same, um. The same thinking patterns I have when I'm on the motorcycle, I have a pretty big life. I have a lot of people that count on me at my business. I have three children. One of them's an adult. She's 31, but two young children, a home. Um, we have another piece of property. I, you know, I just have a lot of thoughts per square inch all day. I have many things going on simultaneously. I'm trying to teach myself to be an electrician because my electrician is busy. Now I'm Shocking the shit out of myself over here, (laughs) um, but like when I'm on the motorcycle, uh, you know, I'm forced to pay attention, especially because of the density of population here and um, the lack of respect for people on the road these days. So, like when I'm on my motorcycle, I'm just I'm on my motorcycle. I'm not thinking about taxes or you know gardening or picking anybody up from school. I think it's the same thing in the car. provides an opportunity for me to be in the moment. I'm, you know, when I'm on the starting line, I am hyper focused on what I'm doing. When I'm at the track and I'm trying to be a better version of myself and I'm like take, like Rich said, taking notes, you know, figuring out why the car did what it did or celebrating why the, you know, what the car did, I'm really there. I'm very present, you know, and a, and a lot of things, I don't know, I've just been on a pretty, pretty steep learning curve of what's important, what's not important. And, um, you know, being very present in the car, when we did that stick shift thing for hot rod at that time, I was like, you know, that was, I was only a few years into the meditation thing. And that was really a game changer. It's funny. I know a lot of people have come up to me and said that they've utilized that information and that that has helped them. And uh, yeah, John, you know, like.
1: Yeah, I double both people all the time now. No, that's not really matters. <laughs>
2: Apparently you're not even aware of it. You're so in the moment.
4: <laughs>
2: but uh yeah, so I think I I think that being being present. Uh, I think I appreciate that about.
1: It's yeah, honestly, it's why I do jujitsu, because it's really hard to think about anything else when someone's trying to choke you out. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. You better be paying attention. Uh, But honestly, if I go there and I'm exhausted from work and sitting at a desk all day, and then when I'm done, every time I just feel so much better because it's clear it's cleared my mind. Not from being unconscious,
3: (laughs) just like going to the gym.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I
3: I leave a different person. I show up one person. I leave some. I leave being somebody else. And that person is, if you come and talk to me after I've worked out. I don't have a filter and it's really not present after I work out. And some of the clearest thoughts in my mind happen at that time. And if you wanted the truth about anything and you asked me about it, you would get 100% how I felt about it without sugarcoating it at all. So it's just, I'm, I'm most definitely a freer, clearer
2: soul after I do After I work out. Because you don't have the fucking energy to lie or bullshit after that. (laughs) (laughs) You're exhausted from lifting up the foundation of a house. (laughs) 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 Like, John, can you help me? You're too fat. You're just too fucking fat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's take it into fifth gear.
0: Um, What, in your opinion, is the secret to stick shift racing? Drag
2: racing. Gone, boy oh boy that's... You, got the, you got the trophy sir <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we, we've all had the trophy
0: you so have it now. I, I have it now not this guy I haven't had it
3: get to work <laughs> secret to stick shift racing I'd have to say my secret's different than all the people on this on this, this zoom call right now my secret has never been my secret is fix don't fix it until it's broken.
4: Do nothing.
3: <laughs> Do nothing.
2: Do nothing. Do weights.
3: I want to fix those belt springs once they were broken.
2: <laughs> secret to stick shift racing. Good good parts. Yeah. Good spend the money on the good stuff. It's no fun to be broken.
0: Well. I think if you don't spend the money on the good parts, you're going to spend it twice and you'll end up spending twice as much. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's more than one secret, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's lots. There's, there's so many, right. But
4: yeah. Yeah, You You know, my,
3: my secret to making a a stock T56 Magnum last over 10 years is the horn from a unicorn. I shave it and I put it in the fluid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I believe.
1: Yeah, that. I do believe that. Yeah. <laughs> now okay, both got-
2: Bill and Rich, you guys both have T fifty six magnums, but they've been modified by G Force.
4: Yep.
2: Correct. What's been out. modified? Now, now it's my turn to ask a few questions. <laughs> I want right. to, I want to get something out of this. Yeah. So, what's whichever one can go first? What's done to your T fifty six Magnum, and what's stock? In it.
1: So, so first through fourth are all face plated, so they no more synchros, and they just have lugs on them. Um, now they're not straight cut gears like yours are. There's, um, but gforce does build their own gear set, so they're a little beefier.
0: It has a little <laughs> less twist than the stock ones, so it's a touch noisier, but it's it does that for strength.
1: And then uh, fifth and sixth gear are stock. Um, the clutch forks uh, on the GeForce One, um, the the three four was a billet steel one, and uh, mine was my uh, one two um, was stock, but I just broke it, so now I have a Tick Performance one in it, so I don't break it. Um, and I think I think that's it. So the main shaft is stock, uh, the counter shaft is aftermarket. And the input shaft, which is fourth gear, it's 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 g forces as well. Uh I, I think no main shaft is not,
0: it's a g force part two.
1: Uh in the old one it was, but in these ones it's actually as far as I understand, Bill. I think that the main shaft is is uh stock in the in the magnums, but it wasn't in the T 56s Oh. Okay. okay. Yeah, so if you need to buy one, you can get one off the shelf, I think. Okay, okay.
2: What would you do differently? And you both have the same exact transmission? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, a part number for G Force. The modification is whatever. This yeah, is they level two T56 Magnum or whatever. Uh, yeah. G Force doesn't sell them like that.
0: It's like this box or not. I don't even think they sell stock ones. Like this is the one you get.
1: Yeah. This is the they used to what they used to do is take a T fifty six gear set. Um, and faceplate and do all that kind of stuff and put it in a Magnum case. And then myself, Bill, uh, Cletus, there's about 10 that they put out there to try that were actually G force gear sizes. Cause they were a little bigger cause I did break the other one. Um, and so, yeah, that's what they sell now is they sell this new version that Bill and I are running. Oh, and, and I wouldn't actually, change anything actually. Yeah. Like.
0: And and to add to it, we have a tick makes a billet front cover for it. Yeah, which they say adds rigidity to the case. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a case failure. We've seen gears fail that wreck the case. but uh, And it has a spray bar in it because when you accelerate, all the fluid goes to the back of the transmission. It's just splash lubrication. So with a pump, then that spray bar sprays uh, second, third, and fourth gear. And... Because without that, you end up
2: burning up the cluster. What starts that? What is that powered 24-7 when the car is running?
0: No, that's a good question. So, like, I have a Holly also, and I, mine is set to come on at 3,500 RPM. So not just, when you're
2: driving down the road? Well, if you're driving no. 3,500 RPM down the road. <laughs> not when you're We're doing just... 1,100 RPMs and go 88 miles an hour. That's correct. <laughs> that's no, it's... <laughs>
0: No, going down the road, it's not. But like when I'm on the two step on the starting line, it's on. So it's actually running before, you know, because I, you know, launch 5,000, 5, something like that. So it's on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you dead this is where home? Frank says that's that's cute. Yeah.
4: That's cute.
2: <laughs> and hey guys <laughs> laughing right now at, at your cam yeah. you know it's all right it's like my, mine's even
0: mine's even smaller and it's a yeah. hydraulic
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think he oh, told my. me that at midwest and i was like oh man yeah i wasn't on a hydraulic then but i am now you know my engine builder a few years ago i, I happened to be by a shop one day and they would i could see he was frustrated and I said, "What's up?" And he's like, "Man, we have we have more problems with hydraulic lifters right now than we do with solids. It's Like, we have more people having trouble keeping the hydraulic lifters in their cars. Interesting than solids, huh? Yeah. All right. What else? Okay. So, there's not that you wouldn't. There's not another transmission out there that you would buy. No.
1: No. That do you point-
2: carry spares, either of you
3: of course they do i i
0: I do not but i do carry spare parts and rich yeah and you know how to fix it yeah yeah
1: yeah i i uh last time i went to florida i didn't carry a spare transmission but i had pretty much a full gear set
2: i love what john said about, (laughs) about you by the way your dad I mean, just seeing the guy and talking with him, and I, I just have this, I have a real affection for older people. You know, my grandmother was like my favorite person, taught me, I, I listened to her the most about life lessons. And she never put them in, in, in any kind of preachy way. But, and, and as a, I have a lot of affection for your dad, the way he, and, and for you for bringing him with you. I think it's super cool and admirable. But John and I were not far from you when you were under the tree over there uh, yeah. at Bradenton. And, uh, <laughs> and John goes, I said something about you being there. He goes, yeah, I saw him. He's, he's over there loading his entire life back into the trunk. of his- <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> like, when you unload your car... <clears throat> You're like a gypsy. You got that shit spread out over an acre. <laughs> it's
1: a yard sale.
2: Yeah, yeah a yard
1: yeah.
2: sale. Um, <laughs> yard like, sale. He's <laughs> loading his entire life into <laughs> the trunk of his car. Oh, it's pretty, Yeah. yeah. You yeah, used I, to carry a transmission back there. I remember seeing you pull it out. Oh, like, oh yeah, guy's got. Yeah, a lot I'm.
1: Special. I'm bringing one. I'm bringing one this year again, actually, because um, after breaking something, I didn't have a spare of. I would have been screwed in Oklahoma. I would have had to try to get a clutch fork to get myself home, but because I had a spare st- stock T fifty six, two hours later I was back on the road driving home.
2: Yeah, what did you just do? What what was that event? I didn't I didn't
4: really. It's
1: called King of the Open Road. Um, it's just a three day drag and drive. So first day was supposed to be testing, but it was snowing. <laughs> And second, day, <laughs> second day was uh, a two hundred mile drive in Oklahoma. Uh, it was beautiful through the yeah. It was just amazing the drive. And then it was supposed to be a couple of test passes on the Saturday to qualify, and then another test pass on Sunday, and then eliminations. And uh, and then yeah, I drove home uh, eighteen hundred miles in you know, <laughs> through a snowstorm. And I saw uh, that. Yeah, yeah. After breaking my nine-inch and and the transmission, because the transmission went in two gears, uh, turned itself into a trans brake and it sheared the the pinion right off. So, but I had a nine-inch because I was trying radials for the first time and I thought I better bring some spare parts because if if these things work great, but if they uh, if they hit everything too hard, I could break something. So,
2: did, did you change your clutch setup? Um, actually, I, or
1: I anything. I had it. I had. I have two clutches. I have a eleven inch uh, six finger from Kale, and I have a dual eight inch, same as Grubworm was running when he went six sixty one. That I, I couldn't figure out how to get to work, but it was just a bit of my education and maybe my communication with Rob Youngbud. But uh, once I threw some counterweight on that, um, yeah, like I said, I think the first the first launch I I had with the new clutch was a one forty one uh second one was a 144 and then when I broke I'm pretty sure it was so yeah it's slipping a lot more the curve looks different than the other clutch
2: where does it grab
1: uh, it it actually it wasn't grabbing at one at, at 1.3 no but it was exce- it was grabbing and pulling hard it just had it locked up um so I'm assuming I'm hoping that it's going to lock up at like 1.35 or something but the old clutch, was um, was locking up at 0.7 into the run, like the eleven inch single, it would lock up at 0.7. and you'd see the curve go. It would slip, 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 and then grab, and then take off.
2: So you consider it grabbing when it's parallel with the. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't have an RPM. Input. Yeah, I don't have. Oh, you don't input have an input sensor, sensor. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of guessing, but you can tell you can pretty much tell when it's straight lining, you know, it's locked up.
2: What about you, Bill?
1: <clears throat>
0: so, I run a digital clutch controller, the Ship Billy. Yeah. So I have a diaphragm clutch, but it's a twin disc centered iron. It's pretty aggressive, but with that. Who's clutch
2: make? Clutch, uh, it's a Ram Pro nine nine thirty or something. Uh, so Dual friction or it's centered iron on both sides. Both discs are
0: centered iron. It's a ten on and a half both inch. sides. Yep. Okay. Yep. Ten and a half inch, and it's not. Like that clutch doesn't come that way, so Kale oh. set it up for me originally. And <clears throat> I've actually put 10 inch discs in it, and it works really well too. So twin 10 and a half originally, yes. But I tried in Oklahoma, I put twin 10 inch discs in it, and it worked fine. So I'm more inclined to go smaller and smaller until yep. it won't hold. Yep. Um, but then with that, then with the digital clutch controller, I can make adjustments via an app on my phone. I know, I saw how to that. Slip
2: that- slip that thing on the hit but do you can you see a data log do you data log your runs yes oh of course and and where where is it grabbing where is it locked up with the rpm one-to-one
0: um well i can really adjust that with the app but what i've done is looked at rich's data log and i usually slip the clutch for about one second total um <clears throat> and i'm still fine-tuning stuff because now like in oklahoma Like I had some pretty good settings that worked, um, but then I started, then I figured out how to use the boost builder. And instead of launching on a pound and a half or two pounds of boost, I was like six or seven pounds. Well, then it was just blowing through the clutch because it was making, I don't know, a couple hundred horsepower more on the hit. Um, So I need to adjust those settings, but really on the the runs where it's, I've had it dialed in previously, when you look at my data log and riches they're almost indiscernible. Like they're very, very similar as far as the, the way it comes up and slips and then goes right to the gear changer. There's absolutely no dip off the two-step. It doesn't dip at all. It just slips and goes up. <clears throat> so it's, it's a different way to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, but it, it seems to work. It's got to get it dialed in.
2: John, you would say something? No, I didn't say anything. Who's Whose um, ECU do you guys have? MS3 Pro? Yeah,
1: yeah. I have an MS3 Pro Evo. Yep.
0: Yeah, and I run what a Dominator. It's okay, Dominator. Yeah. Dark ECU. FOMO <laughs> <laughs> Co. <cool. laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: Laughing, but the guys going eights with used valves for Like, gone through. That's right. <laughs> So
4: and the since, most Rich I, the least.
0: since Rich and I both run a T-56, it's got sixth gear. So we got the T-56 question for you. Um, oh,
4: yeah.
1: I have what a did, 6
2: feet. Nice, nice. <laughs> yes, five, five plus a gear vendor.
4: Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, that Actually, eight-speed.
2: I got first, first over, second, second
0: over, and so on. Nice, <laughs> nice. So what advice would you give to someone getting into this sport?
2: you going to go, John? No, you're going first.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> definitely. Def- I would say definitely do it with a stick shift. And I've said this before. Um, you know, there's going to be races you win. There's going to be races you lose. But you're always going to be having more fun with a stick shift. And there's so much more driver involvement. And you're so much more involved in the outcome of what the car does. Whereas an automatic, I feel... and no disrespect it's not you know it's not like an automatic is is uh you know thinking proof but let's face it it's the reward of winning a stick shift race is so much greater because it has so much more to do with you you're so much more involved in the outcome um well
0: it's not shifting automatically yeah
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's a little bit harder um It's always going to be more fun. Um, And it's, I think that alone, the fact that you're having a good time whether you win or lose is enough for me. But I guess my real advice would be build a lighter car than 4,000 pounds. (laughs) Probably win a lot more races. I mean, I really (laughs) didn't think this through. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) I think if I was to give any advice it's basically have fun doing it don't don't overthink it don't 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 go out like you're going to burn the world down right out of the gate <laughs> work your way up to it i mean that's just the thing when i go out and do it i'm more worried about having fun than i am anything else and there's been a couple times Frank's been told me that you know, a couple occasions where maybe last year or two years ago when there was a good possibility I could have took that trophy home again, and I said something to Frank on the last race. I go, I, I, I don't care because I've already had it and I've already taken it home, and that was a goal of mine and doing it again doing it again wasn't that big of a deal. So once again probably not the right mindset or the right attitude but I go I I I don't go I don't go out to always win. I go out to have a good time with the people and the the people around me and have fun but winning is a positive sometimes, but it's not always a necessity.
1: That's uh, awesome. It's, awesome. it's yeah. you know, a couple of times we mentioned this, Frank, you were touching on it. Um, you know, when I go to a race and I know Bill's there, all I want to do is beat Bill. And all I want to do is race Bill. And yeah. half the time, I don't care if I if I beat him on that pass or not. Yeah. It is so fun when we're at the top of the track, parachutes out, and, uh, I, you know, it's just like that was... I drive all the way across the country just to do that. Um, yes,
3: this same yes. thing happened to me this year. I, I I tried to line up with Frank all goddamn fucking week long, and it literally <laughs> came to Friday, and we were able to get it done because someone said something to the hey these two guys want a race. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Look it at was that awesome that it was to happen, and we got it done, and that's. That's all I really wanted to do all week long was to have a race with Frank. Look at pick
1: up the background (laughs) picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would have drove all the way across the country just for that. Yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned that because I was watching Drag Week and all I was waiting for was you two clowns to line up against (laughs) each other. And then when I saw it, I'm like, oh, and I yeah, I think I yeah. I don't know if I, I got actually got it live stream, but starting line.
2: <laughs> I read lit. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> and I outran him.
3: And <laughs> outran me. <Val's> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let me let me
0: give a let me give a huge shoot shout out to Stick Shift Nation and Travis for um hosting this podcast. Um, you guys, people listening, you can find Clutch Burners podcasts on 10 different platforms. YouTube for the uh, video one you get all this good looking right here, and if, <laughs> if you'd like to see uh, the podcast continue and grow, head over to stickracing.com and uh, grab a stickshift nation shirt, hat, or sticker. And you can also get clutch burner stickers. They're live if you want to grab one. Go over to stickracing.com. Um, yeah, I think this is probably the longest podcast we've done so far. We're like two and a half hours, almost three hours in. This is awesome. Oh my god. Yeah yeah
1: thank, thank you guys so much for your time i mean uh we i i knew this was going to be going to be a blast yeah and and a long one, but we really appreciate both your guys time we know you're both busy you got lots going on and it's probably not too busy
2: for you guys thank you yeah. for asking me yeah. us and um i hope this thing grows it's been a lot of fun i knew it would be yeah and i'm just happy to be part of anything stick shift really awesome
0: Well, thanks, Frank. I mean, you've been an influence here. Yeah. You guys have both been an influence to me. I know for sure. So. Agreed.
2: Ditto. (laughs) Anybody (laughs) knows you guys, you know, you're, you know, just elevating games everywhere, you know, like having a beautiful car, go fast and drive all week. I mean, I always say it. If you got, if, if you do this once, you'll do it again. If you go and do a drag and drive event, you will be more in love with your car, more involved in the sport, more appreciative of the country. And it's just such a great thing. I've seen more of the country through the window of my 55 Chevy than any other car I own. Made, you know, the ripple effect, right? Of, of everything we do, like knowing you guys, that would have never happened had it not been for drag and drive events, right? That's exactly. A fact. People, That's exactly. exactly. Yeah. because of drag and drive events it's it's pretty remarkable um, across is. the world
3: across yep. the world the people we know yes yeah
2: agreed 100 i had a good time
0: awesome thanks we'll leave you with on a music, second. even
2: though i know bill thinks his face is real pretty but it ain't prettier than that
4: <laughs> it definitely is
2: not. prettier than that <laughs>